Welcome back, podcast dialogue choices. We got them. We make hundreds of choices every week. Look at us and go. All of them are bad. We don't, we don't even all of them. I never have a we plan. Are, we just go. We are hard mode <laughs> renegade here. Hard mode <laughs> renegade. When you die in hard evil, mode, just you renegade. Get your... What? <laughs> oh yeah. So we do we have questions or do we have anything ready for? <laughs> Uh, Do people remember we exist? So I watched, they, I watched, I watched Fear the Walking Dead. I guess not. <laughs> partly because I, was, <laughs> partly because I was writing a. Uh, well, we haven't. I don't think we had any. Uh, I think our last question might have been from November. Damn. Oh. I could double. I could double check that at some point. But uh, I, I've been, I've been toying with the with some Walking Dead scripts, so I was trying to get caught up on on the various shows so i got caught up on the first half of the final season uh following up on a previous shit and then i watched the uh first half of the new season of fear the walking dead which is a different show making other uniquely bad choices uh actually the the new the uh the final season so far of the of actual walking dead is surprisingly good like it's actually really hitting its stride with all of its most boring characters gone like all of it like all of the most prominent actors have left the show leaving all of the it's like it's like whoops all lancers like all the characters that are supposed to be the foils to the main characters are now the main characters of the story because all the main characters left <laughs> it's just it actually leads next the 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 cast way more compelling as a result because there's no gokus uh and so that's interesting but uh fear the walking dead is is the opposite problem where it's all gokus Everyone sucks. Everyone's so fucking boring. It's just the everyone feels like the a boring protagonist person that's not allowed to have flaws, basically. And then the uh, they 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 straight up went like, "Hey, what if Fallout?" Because <laughs> like this takes place far enough away from the main story, we could we could set off on nuke and and pretend that no one would notice in in the location of the main story. So it's just now a post apocalyptic nuclear wasteland that also has zombies to the point where it literally will be like. Wow, look, it's like a billboard of a smiling family, but it's under the rubble. Like, look at this juxtaposition. No one's ever come up with with this before. Uh, is, wait, it's doing, how does that, it's doing that kind of shit. How does radiation work on zombies? It doesn't. Doesn't, radi doesn't radiation kill they, they cells? Just, they, just become, they, just become, they just become uh, radiation carriers in addition to being zombie carriers. So now they're, so they're dangerous to be around at all. Yeah, but now it's pretty easy to check for them. Just have a like a Geiga counter on you at all times, yeah. and now you know when they're there. That's pretty dumb. It's uh, it's it's been an experience. Small brain move from the zombies. This isn't gonna pan out at all. I think maybe the Geiger counter would be going off all the time. Well, I mean, it, if you're you know... in the middle of a wasteland, yeah. But if you're just like hanging out on the outskirts, you would. If you suddenly start hearing the Geiga counter go off, you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. We're kind of away from the radiation. What could be possibly carrying such a high dosage? Yeah. Uh... And, I've, I've, and I've complained before that the show got like decapitated right when it was at its peak. Like they just cut the head right off the chicken and, and, and just tried to summon viewers by putting Morgan on the show. So season three was the best uh, season of Fear the Walking Dead and maybe the best season of all of Walking Dead period as a universe like it was the it's probably the best season of TV that they've made ever it's a definitely competition at least and then they like well the view the viewership's bad we're gonna just fucking rip Morgan out of the main show and put him in the side show as the protagonist 
and they were literally going to kill off all half the main characters in a flashback <laughs> like that kind of shit is what they pulled where the, the the season introducing morgan introduces morgan immediately so you're stuck having a time skip that enables that to even be possible because fear because normal walking dead not only is more seasons deep but it started later in the timeline and also has had time skips already so the first this uh the Fear of the Walking Dead that was still taking place early in the apocalypse had to time skip years into the future and just skip straight to showing Morgan and then show in a series of flashbacks what happened to multiple of the missing characters that all di- that died off camera at that point. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then of the remaining surviving characters that were the, the most interesting parts of Fear of the Walking Dead that still survived, two of them by the current season are completely unrecognizable and the other one is held back as a teaser bait thing for the entire first half of the season where only in the mid-season finale does she even show up everyone's just asking where she is all season and it's like don't fucking god damn it so that means you have to spend the entire season with pretty much with just morgan and some of the other really boring characters that they brought over including dwight and other characters and it's just like what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing this to us? And uh, it's it was a uh, it was basically torture. <laughs> we're gonna need we're gonna need to detox you from Walking Dead. We need, no you need to, more. You... I now next I have to watch Walking Dead World Beyond. No, I have to. Compl- what does that I mean? Is this where they go to space? No, it's a uh, because <laughs> at the end of Walking Dead they introduced the Commonwealth. Oh shit, that's different people. Oh fuck, World Beyond's a different group from the Commonwealth, isn't it? Yeah. Because in Fear the Walking Dead, they include people, They there's a secret civilization somewhere that you only meet via a lesbian helicopter pilot, but it, it's just like some sort of super secrety someone somewhere that wears like these black costumes that have these weird pleats on them. And if you can't, you can't know anything about them or they'll kill you or something. Uh, and uh, I, I guess... It, i think world beyond takes place inside of their walls and like that's an interesting premise to set up like okay let's find out what's going on in one of these like really secure more like neoliberal modern sort of fucked up like what what if the society didn't collapse that much so it's just so it's it's doing like the commonwealth kind of shit but you have to deal with the uh no i think it i think it takes place in the commonwealth i think it just also features the helicopter people uh i need to watch more of it i only watched a half of one episode and i hated it <laughs> the problem <laughs> is that you have to deal with two two young girls are the protagonists they're like teenagers and they're just fucking ambient they are the most boring characters ever for a pilot of a show and you're just stuck with them and i could and i did not make it through the first episode and so that'll be an experience to try to to get through uh it does sound like you need a detox you need, you well, need I've been help. watching JoJo's. We, we can help you, Keith. I can I tell like a lot of other shows that don't have like the Simon is, part of JoJo's. This is going to be the timeline for the Walking Dead series in like It's five the years. face Tay night Walking yeah. Dead. It just has the Weezer just... Blue album in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this, uh, yeah, this is a prank. I see it. Okay. But like, that's basically it, what it you're just, describing it just at this point. It just reaches JoJo's and Dark Souls 3. <laughs> yeah. If t- hey. if Tony Hawk survives, it becomes Team Fortress Two. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, this is this. <laughs> I mean, I can believe in that. That sounds plausible. It's to me. Uh, like it's honestly, it's a lot more sensical. Like that timeline makes more sense than the actual timeline for the Fate series. 
Um, That's. I mean, I I could believe it. I've heard things. I think. No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. It just I know sounds I like a lot. <laughs> what? What I've heard. What, what I've heard is I've just seen a series of fate titles, and I'm like, that's enough for me. <laughs> I've just yeah. seen the titles of too many fate things, and I'm like, that's too much. That's too much titles. What are they even doing with those titles? It's How about numbers. It's better than uh, it's it's better than the uh, Monogatari franchise, which is like, hey, do you want to watch multiple episodes from multiple seasons in different orders? Uh, because that's the way you're supposed to canonically watch them to understand what the plot of the story is. Otherwise, and half uh, the timeline is not even out yet. No, unfortunately, half Some of the it, timeline isn't I, published yet because it hasn't been released. It, has it been at least written, or do we still have do we have things uh, in the future? Yeah, so you can. So I believe it's. Uh, I believe it's a. Uh, I think it's either a light novel or a manga. I, th- I want to say it's a light novel. Um, it, yeah. It's yeah, it's a light novel series. So I think the light novel is done. But it's the mm. anime that isn't. So, like, in order to try and put it, like, to you can't watch this show. Basically, uh, yeah. you can, and people will argue that like it doesn't matter. But it fucking does matter because you'll watch some episodes and be like, "Wow, cool! I really love being uh, the sideline to an in joke that I'll never know because it needs to come out like ten years ago." Um, oops. But it's just, okay. I, all you have to do is look up a, a wiki article and you have all the details about... But, like, the, then the why bother? Tales. Just read the fucking light novel. Why are you even, like, <laughs> watching true, the yeah. anime then? It's such a dumb... I don't know. It's fine. People like watching people lick each other's feet or something. But it's still, like, such a weird... I don't know. I, I, I'll never understand stuff like Fate or Index or, uh, mag- or like, Railgun or... or rail- yeah, Railgun or this... Like these timelines that are so big, so intricate, where it's like, oh, by the way, there's like 15 different series, and like one of them is kind of just silly, but the rest are really important, and you need to take notes because if you don't take notes, you're not going to understand what this new series is about, which is like relevant, like re- referencing four different series at the same time, and you're like, no, no, I'm done, I'm, I give up, <laughs> I'm over it, I don't care anymore, like, I don't know, man, I don't. I don't care. I tried. I tried my best. I tried getting into like every single one of these series and I just had to stop because like it at some point you you realize that there is like there there'll be this point where you think you've done it. You're like, okay, thank God I've watched everything. I'm right. And you'll watch something and someone goes, yeah, remember that time? Like, I don't fucking remember that time. God damn it. What did I miss? And you have to like go back (laughs) in the timeline. and You're like panicking and you're flipping through all this shit. And you're like, oh, fuck. I didn't read the light novel from 2005 where this one guy hired another (laughs) guy to write the thing. Shit. (laughs) Andrew, Andrew, we can detox you from this. We can help you. It's not the light novel. Yeah, it's so it's so awful. There was like I remember watching something in index and a guy appears. and He's like. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm here to finish what I started. Like, who the fuck is this guy? What did he start? When did he start this shit? And I'm like, <laughs> looking through the timelines, like, oh yeah, there was a one-off spin-off series that started by a like one of the uh, assistant artists <laughs> from the yeah, it's like one of the fight. <laughs> one of the assistant artists from the original series like showed up and made his own thing, which became canon. I was like, what the fuck? No, I'm not gonna do this. Like, I gotta go dumpster dive to find this thing just to read like a 12 or an 18 page manga so i know like why this buff dude wants to beat the shit out of the main character i'm over it i don't care get let me guess main character mm-hmm. beats his ass he does all right let's move on now like i don't i don't care anymore <laughs> like 
It's ridiculous. It's like, imagine if every single villain in Dragon Ball Z had its own series that you had to go read before you watched Dragon Ball Z. You would not fucking do it. You would not give a shit. You'd be like, I don't you care wouldn't. what... Yeah. You'd be like, I don't care what Cell's here for. Someone I want to watch his ass get beat. Like, some people would. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying, like, the average person, they would give up. They'd be like, look, I'm here for one thing, and that's to see Goku turn his hair blonde and beat the shit out of some alien. That's all I'm here for. Like, I don't need whatever this is like some dramatic backstory to give some kind of weighted uh, reasoning for why this character is doing something. And then you look at the character and it's like, I'm going to turn into the size of an elephant and blow up your planet. I'm like, I don't fucking get the fuck out of mm-hmm. here. Cell, get out. I'm done. <laughs> Teleport to Kami's place. Goodbye. <laughs> like over it. I don't need this <laughs> shit anymore. It's just like, it's so dumb. And like, I get it. You know, anime wants to be, sometimes it wants to be a little bit too much. Like everything wants to be Harry Potter, but, with like harry potter squared like if you potter. 999 basically yeah you want to have the, this like the over, same issue. you want to have this intricate world this world that's so deep and mysterious and full of lore and uh, interesting characters and all this stuff but like at the end of the day you need to like take a moment and or take a moment sit down look at your world and go do i really give a fuck about the guy who served lunch to the lady at school one time who witnessed an event who then later uses that event witnessed to change their entire life story and thus come back 16 seasons later to try and compel the main character to not give in to darkness? No. No, I fucking don't. That's, if you do that again, I'll cut your hands off. Don't fucking do that. Like, it's that's something. Christ. It is so that's stupid. That's something that a, a Song of Ice and Fire does really well. The books. No, the that's Game of why Thrones. I could not do... I could never do Game of Thrones. It was like... I, I tried reading it. I was like, okay, what... You need to finish that oh, person's you, story. Like you have to finish. You, you can't just walk away from oh. that. And it's like you don't think oh, it's it's well, it, just, it just jumps between people. Yeah, it just walks away yeah. from the story. You're like, okay, that's but cool. That's What's not gonna... what he does though. That, that's I not. Mean, that's not the real magic. The real magic is does... that even in the stories that he does tell the way he does, it's it's jumping between yeah point of view characters. Well, but even then, like story isn't done. So yeah, the real magic you is you like you, you're never ends. getting an ending. That's the magic. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he's getting we'll he keeps going off to write other things. Other things. Elden I, I, Ring. I can't imagine them. why. Yeah, Elden <laughs> Ring and a prequel book. He made like yeah. a Targaryen book, which I think is what the other HBO show is adapting now. Which yeah, I have heard zero ballsy. people be excited about because the ending Why? of Game of Thrones was so bad that the yeah, idea exactly. of a cinematic universe is just gone. Exactly. Why would anyone about these excited? characters and you, you stabbed us for caring about them, so why do we care about new <laughs> characters? You didn't think about this very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. HBO's like, wait a second, we can salvage this. Hold on. You can't. Nah, it's just a crash grab. You very much can't. It's, it's I, just I'm, a cash grab. They, if I they don't, don't sell it, nobody loses money. Yeah, like, I don't have a problem with really deep story, or, like, really deep story worlds. I like the idea of intricate, uh, well-thought-out worlds and characters in those worlds. But I, I think there comes a limit to when it's not... When things are happening in the story that are due in part to very small and missable moments in an over an otherwise really big bam, uh, like bombastic uh, story. It's really hard to care about that stuff. Like it's hard to care about little things like, Oh, did you notice the troll sitting in the corner of this one frame of a movie? He's going to be here and he's a main character. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't notice him. And uh, <laughs> I don't really the, the like st- the, fact- the Star Wars effect of having to tur- turn 
every single random uh, toy like toy selling alien they made has to like have a complex lore and their, its own Disney Plus show now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't. It's like there's something really genius about the fact that you have like I, that's why I like Baby Yoda because it's it's probably not even what it's called. Like, it's just someone came up with a creature and, like, that was probably going to be a huge plot point revealing what, like, the name of this thing is or whatever. But the entire internet was like, oh, look, it's a baby Yoda. It's cute. Okay, pet its head. And then, like, everyone else just kind of, that's it. That They just agreed that's what it was called. And now it's called that forever. <laughs> and you can't change that. Like, you can come back and be like, well, actually, the Yoda race is called the blah, blah, blahs. And people be like, that's cool. <laughs> but what about baby Yoda? Like, baby Yoda's the Wasn't cute. female Yoda called Yordle? yeah or something like that it was <laughs> it was stupid but like right now canonically speaking just yoda yoda's, with a wig next to yeah, yoda on the council <laughs> canonically speaking yoda's race is called yoda like is it really wait, what yeah is that true yeah it's really what? funny why the star wars oh, why, sorry, is star no, wars? No, why does day. star wars indeed no that's D. <laughs> Okay, so so fans call it tridactyls, which sounds like a fucking dinosaur. So no thanks. Tridactyls? What do you say to me? Apparently, that's what. You can't just say words like that at me and expect me to just go with it. Apparently, that is what fans call it. They call it tridactyl. This is big. uh, This is big. There's a Wikipedia page about water energy. Yes, it is. Um, But from a game. That's from a game, (laughs) isn't it? Um. The, yeah, but basically, w- Wikipedia no, just the kind actual of like... Wo- the actual Wikipedia has an entire page about water. Yes. Mm, just yeah. water. And oh, it has a second normal... page because it has both a legacy page and it has a, it has a legends page and a canon modern page on water because they have to be described separately like they're like they're fucking like old timeline and new timeline Luke put their wa- it's water. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah yeah you, i mean what are you doing to me wikipedia i think my favorite part is that like even out of all the things out of everything that george lucas has done to be like kind of the worst storm of nature to the star wars universe as time went on george he, lucas like, is he would he would literally not give a name to the yoda race like he just would call them unknown he just had no interest yeah. in like ex- explaining it and so people just like panic about this like most important character in the star wars canon not belonging any, anywhere <laughs> like who is he who where does he come from how do we like milk this franchise like we need to create a where whole race go? of these come people from cotton eye joe and like <laughs> it, I, the most people of god is just like yeah he's like the these the illegitimate son of kermit and miss piggy is like all george lucas has ever said <laughs> and you're like i don't fucking what do i do with this like so disney just like we made a baby one and we're not gonna call like maybe we're gonna come up with a name but now it's just baby yoda is the race like i don't know it's it's great i mm-hmm. love that i love that because i would much prefer i would much prefer something so dumbly simple uh for something so inconsequential than something really really over the top explained like calling yoda's race yoda is fine i don't care you meet like a total of two in the entire yeah. franchise and, and one of them is the just, baby yeah and one I mean, of them is a gender it was fu- it was fine oh, to okay. just have Yoda and not even have more of them. Yeah. yeah and they're like, like a here's a baby of... one and here's a girl one. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> now, yeah. now you're making us ask questions. Yeah, it's like and... the face of Bo in, in Doctor Who. It's like 
this important Erase. character for a little while. And then, of course, because it's uh, Moffat, he decides to have, give it a backstory. But when it shows up, it's like this big thing. That wasn't Moffat. And it wasn't? No. No, that's Russell T. Davies. That's season one. No, no. Oh, the, the backstory was Moffat, though, right? Uh, that, that was like the same season where it's like... Oh, was just it? The okay, one okay. Unless, you, that's, unless there was more and more backstory. Uh, no, I, you find out like you. immediately that Jack is the face of Bo. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm misremembering it then. He's but got like immortality well, and don't... keeps coming back because he's the, he's the unkillable character for a while. Mm-hmm. Also, then, they at, then they meet the face of Bo and like the episode where face of Bo is introduced. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's they... immediately revealed that it's Jack that episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that raises questions. You're like, the fuck does that mean? And they don't answer them. At least not oh, then. That might Maybe be eventually. What I'm remembering. Yeah. Maybe it comes up more later, but at the time they don't tell you anything about how the fuck Jack is face a bow. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's a cool. It's a cool concept. It's like, look at this person. It is a face, and it is big. It is a face. <laughs> I mean, it's better than like the stretched skin woman, I guess. I I love her. What? Moisturize me. No. Moisturize me. Moisturize me. That's a little that's like she's great. She's so good. Where's that from? That's from That's also from season one. She's just a a strip of woman. She's just she's the last surviving human of all humans, and she's just a face stretched on some hooks. And she's just she's just a film of flesh. And she keeps asking people to moisturize her. It's it's incredible. I fucking love it. It's such a nightmare. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's so so gross. So fucking gross. Work. Like she has a moving because it's Doctor muscle. Who and it's fun. And I oh, missed yeah. that. Because I just finished watching the fucking New Year's special of Doctor Who and it wasn't fun. No. I was really frustrated. And that was after the flux, which was the worst season of Doctor Who I have ever seen. It is borderline unwatchable from front to back, except it has one decent episode with the Centaurans as episode two. But it's just like they tried to have this massive infinite crisis, like fucking Marvel comics situation or DC Mm. or whatever. They're not distinguishable from each other. Uh, They both have the big reset crisis events, but one of them actually calls them that word and one of them doesn't. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like it's just it's such a bad season because they're trying so hard to make every single thing play into all the other parts but they're also having like trying to have each episode kind of be a set piece of like here's the angels one and here's the centaurans one and so on and it's just like incoherent mess of like 500 characters the entire first episode is a massive headache of an episode because it's just jumping between 75 different plot points uh to set up the sheer number of moving pieces they're trying to have for the season to the point where Almost nothing actually happens that episode because it's so busy setting up the season as a whole. But then the second episode is the Centaurans, which is specifically the thing they did not set up in any part in any of that intro from what I can remember. Because they're so busy with all the other moving pieces and the Centaurans are supposed to be a surprise. So it's like its own mess at that point. And I'm just it's it's hard to coordinate how much of a mess the season was because it would require me to like take notes because like. (laughs) Like I would, ha- I would have to take notes to even tell you what was wrong with the season because it was so hard to even process what each episode was even going for that I genuinely can't repeat most of the story to you off the top of my head 
because it was so incomprehensible by the end and like even when it's resolving everything like almost nothing actually gets resolved and there's massive hanging questions and i'm pretty sure they destroyed the majority of the universe but don't really talk about it and like who what was the motivation of most of the villains and what were they going for why did that character exist why did that character exist did any of the things that happened at the end make any sense like it's just a massive oh no season and because they tried to do the entire season as one continuous storyline and did such a bad job, it means that you're just stuck with an entire season being just not fun to watch. And there's nothing to really like salvage from it at all. I... And it's like, it, it's rough because this is it, I think, for her. Like, this is the end of this doctor. And it's like, she there was two really badly managed seasons already where they just really poorly developed her at all at any point throughout throughout the story so far, but also like had way too many characters, so they were also pretty poorly developed. Uh, and now they cut the characters down to fewer people, but they still can't seem to develop them. And then they wasted the whole final season on what was supposed to be the most hyped storyline in the history of the show, and it fell flat on its face. <laughs> and then it's just going to be like... Unfortunately, the first female Doctor is just going to be like the most bad part of the show so far basically and it's not because of that that's not the reason why it is mission accomplished but, but that's what happened <laughs> nerds win this time eh. i like and i liked it i liked her at least i, I like I, I i was like or at least i was ready to like her like i didn't i didn't have a problem with the casting or her acting or anything like that and it was cool to see if the female doctor and all that but then literally just none of it's been handled well i can't really describe her personality the way i can describe any of the other personalities and there's like a really unshakable feeling that like oh it's still it's still a men it's still a show like being run by a dude so unsurprisingly all the most compelling storylines and all the most character development keep giving being given to whatever dude is on camera and not any mm -hmm. of the female characters like the first two seasons, Graham had all the best lines and the most emotional storylines, and then they got rid of Graham, and now a new white guy comes in, and he very noticeably has like immediately like a lot of development, is a really compelling character, and Yaz, who they kept around for all three seasons, continues to get zero development, while the Doctor herself is also really flat and boring, and it's like she's it's the Doctor, the titular Doctor Doctor Hoomst is who? Doctor. How the f how did you make the Doctor boring? How, what the fuck, guys? I I I'm, honestly I'm I don't know it. though. Are you being? I don't know. The book the Doctor isn't necessarily a very exciting character. He can be pretty good. Uh, well, yeah, David Tennant was was great. Yeah, but it's the portrayal no, I, rather than the writing. All four of the new Doctors, I love. They're all they're, they've all been really good. I, like Christopher Eccleston had an incredible first season and then mm -hmm. was gone immediately. But like, yeah, you have you, mm -hmm. like you have stuff like like the Dalek episode that explores him specifically, and it's like still the best and only and maybe only good episode of Daleks in the entire new show because they should not they need to stop coming back. They won't because they're the most That's iconic fine. villain. So fuck you. We're going to keep telling the same story over and over again, even though the whole point is that Doctor's not supposed to kill people. So it's kind of hard to resolve that conflict in an interesting way. So they, and they almost never do. Uh, they just keep bringing back the Daleks over and over again. And it's always the worst episode of that particular part of the story. And I, I hate it. Uh, they need to bring the, the Hypermen or whatever. The Cybermen? Cybermen. That's the one. Because they're the Cybermen better. are pretty weak, but they're definitely better than Daleks. Uh, 
The Weeping oh, Angels charming. could have been cool, but really they are just another case of being like, we had a good idea, and instead of having more good ideas, we're going to keep reusing the old ideas. Yeah, that's the there's a really, that's my issue. There's a, story, the there's a quote that really ages really poorly from Stephen Moffat where he said, if the when you like what you know you've written a good episode of doctor who when you're like well that's that feature film idea blown like the idea that they're writing an entire movie's worth of thing and it's like yeah that'd be nice that's definitely not what happens you definitely just like let's rip bring the angels back out they'll they'll do the thing oh man don't blink here we go but i think and like I, and, don't, I don't know if that's true though like that's a, a narrow understanding of the of the of of even Moffat's material, let alone certainly the first few seasons of of, of Doctor Who from two thousand and five onwards, because um, there's a lot of episodes that are just they're not structured in the way a movie is. Like in the sense that if you have an idea for a movie, you need to have a, 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 the idea needs to. It's not just what if cars were made of soup. No, it needs to have a beginning. <laughs> You need to have a beginning and an end, but Doctor Who can no, definitely it's, it's make because an episode. There used to, it used to be like, here's a wildly different premise, and we're just going to run with it from episode yeah. to episode, and that was like part of the fun. Yeah, like yeah, One of my yeah. favorite premises is the one that I'll never remember the, the name of, but it's like green waterfall, red something or whatever, and it's, it's like the robots are like, this is a kindness. And it's like they go into these rooms, and they, they, find, they find out accidentally when it's too late that this is a place where... Uh, people were inflicted with this deadly illness so they created like a time paradox thing where you could like oh, library, meet each yeah. other in, in these like meeting rooms Not, not it's not science of the library but that one's really good too no t uh, uh, two streams facility two streams facility yeah and and they uh it's like they, they created they create a cool time paradox place where it's like you can like live out your life and still have your loved ones be in your life even though they don't have much time left by having these two rooms that are out of sync with each other and time stream so they they're 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 uh their relatively rapid descent into death will be uh, will be drawn out over the over the course of like a longer portion of your life. So they essentially get to be around longer and see you age and all that in a, like a different way. And mm -hmm. but they find out that, that after they've already entered in it, so that so they accidentally abandoned one of their one of the companions in there, and she lived an entire life fending off these robots that are going crazy trying to trying to uh, to sedate her and 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 ultimately kill her. Uh, and, and uh, like they're trying to treat her and they're and but badly and uh mm -hmm. and so like she's like this warrior woman that's like 60 now or something and lived this whole life and there's this whole fucking conflict about like oh well now like like you the first instinct is to fix this but if you fix this you're essentially killing this person that you see in front of you to revert back to the one that you knew and like what is the morality of that kind of situation like or like there's in like i think like one of the like episodes season one or two i think had like a an entire episode that took place in a traffic jam like the, the entire yeah. episode was like in a space car traffic jam where the entire planet is in, in in traffic all the time and it's like those are ideas and stuff and but now they're like what if weeping angels but like again what if the <laughs> statue of liberty was a weeping angel i'm like fuck you stop <laughs> like, yeah you have like this is like one of the highest budget things on all of british tv and you can't like hire people that have ideas Fucking Neil Gaiman was like, "What if the TARDIS was a like actually got to be a, a woman for an episode?" And suddenly it's like you're dealing with like you're interrogating why she does what she does and why the TARDIS has been along with the Doctor in this entire storyline and developing the TARDIS as a character. There's there are people hungry to write Doctor Who stories, and you're like, 
But what if the Daleks were red and green and they're like Power Rangers where they, they're like Skittles colored? You can sell more Dalek toys if they have colors. I'm like, fuck, I hate this. I would uh, love the idea of seeing uh, Weeping Angels evolve. Like the idea that instead of they're like, ah, people are onto that blinking thing. Now we're going to move whenever people aren't breathing. And like, like <laughs> the idea that every time you take a breath, they get closer. Yeah, you're just like. <laughs> oh, the opposite. Like, yeah, because you would get scared. Like that's they're the thing. They're powered it's like, by CO2. Yeah, like as you're, as, CO2. You're, as you're breathing Gross. out, they're getting closer to you. So you have to like hold your breath to stop them from getting to you. Don't like, breathe. That Whatever great. you do, don't breathe. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do you tell people no, that's, not that's to breathe? That's a bad idea. That's exactly the kind of hack bullshit they would do. It's like, how do you do Weeping Angels again? Uh, slight twist. Now it's breathing. And then it's like just fucking doctor number 17 is on a VHS VHS type tape again. And like, don't breathe. Whatever you do, don't breathe. I'm Scottish am, this season or whatever. I'm Scottish this season. <laughs> oh, what if you just have what if you have uh, like a creature best... that what, like a creature that feeds on weeping angels, but it only moves by CO2, so you have, you have to breathe to get them faster to the weeping angels yeah. to eat them. <laughs> I mean, my, my the... favorite episode of all of Doctor Who was the one where there's just an invisible monster that makes people repeat what other people are saying. It's just a ship in a bottle episode called Midnight, and it's so good. They're just on a tour thing, and there's some kind of creature out there. And if you go out, and you, but they can't leave the tour thing because they'll die instantly in the in like that world out there like it's so mm -hmm. uh, just so massively to uh, toxic or hostile or whatever. And like their vehicles broken down, they then they can't like get going. Like this thing is like I think it's like sapping their the power or something, and they can't move. And mm -hmm. one of them just starts repeating what other people say, and like like they'll just say whatever the other people are saying over and over again. But it keeps getting faster. It repeats faster and faster until it's talking at the same time, and it locks directly onto the doctor specifically. And it starts saying everything he's saying at the same time until eventually he's the one repeating after the monster. And so they think that the monster has now possessed him. And so he's the mm -hmm. one that is the threat. And they're going to like throw him out of the airlock and stuff. And it's this like terrifying thing where you see the, the doctor, David Tennant, just completely powerless against whatever the fuck is happening here. And the uh, what is it? There's like the cool. There's, there's, a, there's a really like kind of heartbreaking ending where the the flight attendant, but or the stewardess sacrifices her life to resolve to resolve this because she's the only one that realizes what's really happening and there's this heartbreaking line of like did anyone even know her name and it's like jesus christ this is a great episode of doctor who stop bringing yeah. the daleks back fuck you the only good thing about daleks is they have good one-liners sometimes I, yeah <laughs> the daleks I are not my... fair and like that's that's it that's all they're good for I was uh, I was gonna mention my favorite line, but then you said that. Did you, anybody know her name? Doctor Who does have a few lines like that where that they just punch really hard it's all of a sudden. It's so good. Uh, but well, my favorite get, line is yeah. is when David. I think no, it's the first Doctor of the new seasons, and Rose asks because he has a northern uh, northern accent, and Rose asks if you're an alien, why do you why do you sound northern? And he's like, my yeah. planet has a north. Yeah, lots of planets have a north. <laughs> Or that, that's the one I was like, that's brilliant, that's genius. I think that's in an episode What's where they're fighting Rose Tyler, mannequins. run for your life. That's the first episode of the entire show, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. the ones, the fighting it's, mannequins it, thing. It's, and it's, it's Eccleston's always. fantastic introduction and a pretty strong season. And I say that knowing that it's a season with fart monsters. It's so silly all the time, from, and I love Roxy it. From Roxy Corico You don't... <laughs> 
I don't yeah, know. I mean, I that's, don't know the, that that's the strength of Doctor Who is that he doesn't have I named to be our, serious. I named our Star Wars Old Republic yeah. guild after them. <laughs> like, because the thing is, when you're, when you're, you don't need to be self-serious when you're sure that what you have is yeah. good. It's and, old, and it's so, at its, it's core, so Doctor when, Who is a sci-fi horror children's show. Yeah, that like it is an all ages goosebumpsy sci-fi show. So it's go, it's yeah. it, and it's it's genuinely unnerving sometimes, but it's always going to be uh, a, a family friendly like version of that. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be goofy and just, just yeah, you yeah. just roll with it, and then you get surprised all the more when it's actually kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and I'll I'll say this: everybody says stuff about the Christmas episode with the gas masks in the Blitz. I. I don't think that's particularly scary. It's a hell of a visual, the it way is, they they they, they, yeah. they just become these uh these gas mask face thing, and it's one of the many creatures that end up. There's definitely a tr- uh, thing in Doctor Who where you have like a creature that mostly just says one line a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that one is, "Are you my mummy?" And then uh, was it science at the library is, "Hey, who turned out the lights?" And uh, oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Because the, uh, they're skeletons that are just repeating their yeah. last thought before they died over and over again. And it's like, ah. <laughs> and then the, uh, yeah, fantastic. they're like, this, this is a kindness, is the two streams facility. That's really common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually it's usually it's all the more haunting because you're like, oh, fuck, something's wrong here. The mm. uh, the trope of, of uh, the last moments of somebody's life being repeated by the perpetrator of the death of that person yeah it's definitely a trope but it works so often and so well oh, yeah. all the time no it's my favorite part of uh annihilation and it's i made so, a whole so video good. about that mm-hmm. and then i had nightmares <laughs> and couldn't sleep fuck that bear <laughs> oh so, my god so Jesus good Christ. it's such a good bear oh my god it is but I, I, bear. It's so I just, so the, fucked. Just, it's both terrifying without context, and then you re, and then understanding and what it learn. is makes it so yeah. much worse. But it's not just the, the visuals and the story. The cast itself amplifies how bad the bear is. Yeah, it's, it's one of those rare cases in horror where it's this. It's more than the sum of its parts. It's like yeah, everybody else contributes. I, I, I need to finish like my it. script about the bear. Wait, you wrote about it. Well, you're gonna write about the bear into again? A home well, I, was, I was just writing about themes and stuff like that um. in my original video, but I have a I have a whole thing to go into just about how efficient that scene is. Cause it's it's not mm. only is it the most memorable and interesting scene of the entire movie, and it's like what you go home ranting about, but also it's like incredibly efficient storytelling. Like the the way that it it is literally the climax of like four character story arcs <laughs> simultaneously mm-hmm. without being like I'm going to now explain what it's doing and like with how much like hack storytelling is basically like I will now just explain to you what is happening next and like it's like in like exposition and bad stuff but like what's also bad is just having scenes that accomplish one thing where you want to mm-hmm. you want at your peak you want to be like Edgar Wright and be doing accomplishing like twelve things at once with your hyper dense shit. And that's what's happening with the mimic bear so much, and it's just such a good scene for that reason. 
Like it's it's the most important. It's one of the most important scenes in the movie for basically every character in the entire movie except Ventress, which is really noticeable because Ventress basically doesn't appear on camera despite being there. <laughs> like she's you just see her on the edge of the frame throughout the scene because she just doesn't mm-hmm. matter emotionally to that scene, but every other character does, and you can tell the camera. You can Ventress, see tell from the camera's motions what's going on. She's the uh, the one with the shotgun at the time. Ventress is the one that is the leader of the mission. Oh, the, oh, and right. she uh, she does yeah. she's the one that doesn't have any emotional stake in mm-hmm. in the bear, where it, it whereas yeah, yeah. it affects every other character. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, think there's other so she, animal bear or animal creatures mimics? Yeah, like do you think there's like uh, a like, like a like an in alligator in real life? No, no, not in real life. Like in the in the oh, in, in this world, like in, like in that world. Yeah, like in annihilation oh. or there. Oh other... yeah, probably. Yeah, because it's all about the loss of self and all that. God, that yeah. sounds amazing. There's just like some island of monsters yelling with human voices all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're like, what is that sound in the distance? Oh, that's just that's just mimic island. It's fine. They just all yell in human voices for some reason yeah. all the time. Uh, yeah, for context, uh, if people haven't caught up, uh, I have a YouTube channel called Boring Keith where I make video essays and. That's where I did the big annihilation thing, and I also got a monster hunter one, and I'm, wor- I'm working on more. But I gotta ever have the confidence to finish anything. <laughs> if you haven't seen the annihilation video from Keith, uh, go and watch it. But also watch the one about uh, uh, that movie. What's that movie? Um, monster Hunter movie. Uh, the movie I don't remember the name of the movie, but watch the one yeah. that one as well. Those are the, those the, are the two Zelda. big ones. The Zelda one yeah. I cranked out in one day. Because it was just it was just an existing rant that I had that it was essentially coming up here and there during the various Zelda playthroughs, and I'm like, huh? They really they immediately fucked up these HD remakes, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> but it's 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 really hard to commit to any script. I'm finding uh, there's like there's the like drive to just sit there and just write continuously, but there's also the element of like doubting yourself and also if always feeling like you need to do more research or more or double or check more things before you can commit to anything. And whether or not you have the authority to say what you're saying with any certainty. And then also whether or not it's even worth saying. Because the more you dive into the thing, the more you're like, am I just pointing out like a bunch of really obvious shit and none of this is worth discussing? <laughs> do you not notice that in in video uh essay channels though? Certainly, I mean, when, once you learn the gist or, like, the, the, the perspective of one particular YouTuber, you sort of can, like, if you're, if you're in tune with their, especially media analysis, it's probably more, even more common than it is in, in like, politics or, or social sciences or whatever. But in media analysis, if you know what kind of person and what kind of attitudes a certain critic is and you, you see them talk about this whatever new movie it is or game and you're kind of like okay let's do it and you just sort of like you already know what they're gonna say do you not see that i, I noticed that a lot in in uh i've been i've been listening a lot to uh scaredy cats um and uh all the all the movies uh that they have it's all horror horror movies and all the, the cr- critics of uh you know the critical what's the word you know, the- it can definitely be especially true if you're watching somebody that like makes it because I, I think that's like weekly content, isn't it? They're really frequent yeah, content yeah, yeah. that that tends to get especially formulaic where there's like they're they're kind of like riffing on the same thing over and over again. Hmm. Although I don't I don't know. I haven't kept up with Scaredy Cats, but I 
I feel like it was more like just here's a movie I feel like talking about more so than like I wait until this big moment where I have like I have like I have specific things I want to say about this so much. It's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to have that kind of uh, event to your essays when they're mm-hmm. made that frequently. I don't know. The thing is, like, sometimes I am well aware that I'm watching a video and I'm not gaining the fresh new insight that I may have been gaining in the other video that I might have watched from the same person. And and so I imagine, and this is just me asking you because you, you're the one that's doing the writing. I imagine when you're writing, you're a lot more intimately aware of that reality that you're just rehashing some of your... Um, takes in some of your attitudes yeah i haven't had enough time to uh oh be rerunning the same things because i only have two real major essays so far mm-hmm. uh and they're they're and a lot of my ideas are about pretty different things like i, I take issue with the world building in outer worlds i want to go into the queer coding of b stars uh the uh just a general run through of Squid Game, where I'm like, is this too obvious? Or and the, 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 with the, uh, the, 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 the there's definitely a struggle when I talk when I think about talking about the uh, like like here's the here's here's how Squid Game is tackling class struggles or whatever, and here's how like here's how queer quoting works in B stars and so on. And there's like the there's the double paradox problem of like, okay, there's a there's a group of really dense people where I have to handhold them through all of this as if none of this has ever been brought up ever before and half of them will still not be able to, to follow what I'm talking about and then there's the people that are already so far deep in that literally like like we're having different conversations essentially it's like when you mm-hmm. dr- when you log into an RTS and you're not good at RTSs and like oh fuck they're playing a different game so it's like what level <laughs> who what which audience do you write these things for and so on and like how much is worth explaining and, and things like that or like mm-hmm. i'm or i'm like i'm looking at the uh the potential like anarchism in walking dead in the true sense of the word not the chaos sense of the word and uh i don't know there's just there's just a lot of things to potentially get into it's, it's to said, the point where it's the point where like i'm currently like this morning i started writing about kingdoms of amalur and i'm just ranting about it without saying anything more important just ranting about a game i don't like and i'm like oh man this is so much easier to write and like and in some of my free time i've been writing just kind of just spewing fiction basically and holy fucking shit i can just knock out like three thousand words in five hours in the evening sometimes but like partly because i'm just making up a story and partly because i'm not intending on anyone reading it but like the different i'm like <laughs> for a while there i'm like can i just not like make words just come out like why can't i do but then when i do fiction it just it like i'm like holy shit it just it's just going like i'm just going and going and going like i definitely can happen it's just i have so many i have so many doubts and i and i hyper analyze every phrase and like sit there and rewrite the same sentence sometimes trying to get like the right message across and figure out what's worth saying and then also like holy shit is it a struggle to figure out how to structure your thoughts in a way that like like here's the order in which I'm going to say all these things and where, where I'm going to go. And then like midway through writing the whole thing, you come up with like three new things that do complement your point, but where the fuck do you put them? And then like, like, is this whole thing going to flow? Am I going to have to reread this thing and then re- rewrite it essentially afterwards? And it's a, uh, it's very complicated to get 
like once you get past like 3000 words it's very much a struggle to keep going with your essay and figure out how to like keep it all going mm-hmm. and then yeah, i'm experimenting with splitting one thing into multiple things because like I started off being like, huh, I'm rewatch. I'm watching the new season of Walking Dead and you're seeing how like there's these young people that that grew up in this world and like how like those generational shifts and different people react differently to this stuff and the world like the structure of the world has changed around this pandemic. And it's like, oh, this is like I could probably draw some parallels between that and COVID. And then I start sketching out those ideas and then it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. But then you're like, okay, but now here's these political topics that I'm find myself writing about. And also just the part that where I'm just ranting about my many grievances with the show. And I'm like, are these three different essays? Do I now have three essays? Do I have an, <laughs> the anarchism, the COVID and the, unhinged ranting about walking dead essays and like and like does this become a multi-pronged project now it's just it's a it's a whole thing and then i mm-hmm. then you can start you can start a three-part project and then not finish any of them <laughs> and then just start writing something else i can yeah. definitely see why it can take so long for people to finish anything let alone like one h bomber guy is like and this one's about fucking vaccines so i have to read a bunch of research papers and also like talk to some consultants about how to best phrase all the parts about autism to not be insensitive and all these other things that you're worried about and it's like holy fuck that gets paralyzing and then you have to like also worry about something that i don't necessarily worry about so far which is being funny (laughs) like writing (laughs) jokes throughout the whole thing i'm like oh fuck comedy writing i I, I thought this was a research paper (laughs) like i don't the the amount of shit that goes into some of these people you really start to realize too like how many how many uh video essays that are popular are written by multiple people Mm -hmm. like uh sarah zed's really good about constantly uh giving credit to her co-writer emily like that phrase appears multiple times per video usually but otherwise, mm-hmm. it's less obvious. Like, oh, yeah, these people have, like, a staff in many cases that are all working together on this thing, both for, like, channel running purposes, but also, like, consulting and also, like, having an editor and having people to discuss ideas with. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a... Like, I launched onto this whole thing as a, respo- as a response to the Lindsay Ellis thing, discussing, like, like here's all the here's all the downsides of being a YouTuber and all the things I want to warn people about. And I was like, well, I, I would also like to, like discuss this with other people not only to to like find like is this is there stuff in here i shouldn't say or stuff i should remove or change or like my um, the blind spots i know i have like with race and gender and sexuality and and so on it's like i would be this it'd be very productive to have the like a female perspective and a trans perspective for example to discuss like the specific and unique ways that that's a problem for those people in this field that I that I can't speak to, uh, but mm-hmm. also how do you get that perspective reasonably? And it's like I, you just haven't. The, um, unfortunately, a lot of people's essays are bound are bound to be full of these blind spots, basically because they don't have the connections to be like, okay, here's my network of YouTubers that I can discuss that have these unique perspectives, and we're gonna collab. And here's their three minute bit about how they complement this section because uh they can bring in their their trans perspective or something i'm like i don't have any like <laughs> my entire network of 
of quote unquote YouTubers is like it's like it's pretty much you guys where it's like there's 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 zero people who make a living doing it and everybody is a white dude more or less mm-hmm. uh and most of them and and like and most of the people that i i collaborate with are like very like it's like the side project to their side project to their side project like they get around to it when they feel like it kind of thing so it's like not it's like almost nobody has this the perspective of having an audience the way that i do the closest being colonel of course and almost but also almost no one has a different experience to share because they're all let's players and they all come from most of the same background so i'm like that's not that's not a helpful network for this kind of script (laughs) but but like i put out a tweet like hey mutuals fucking dm me or whatever and and uh the helpfully people that I, that follow me uh, liked it and retweeted it and stuff, but I did not receive a single DM from a, a, a YouTuber. If as a result, we, there was zero catches, and I'm like, I, I don't know how to address that kind of thing. Besides just putting out a worse thing and being like, sorry for all the mistakes. <laughs> I mean, I think there definitely comes uh, there is some level where you need to get you know like step. To get to that point, you have to make a lot of mistakes and make a lot of not great content. And eventually it's like as you become popular, your expectation for uh, quality goes up kind of thing. And so once you reach that point where it's like, okay, well, I'm at that final crossroad where now I I have enough people that I can ask others to help me out to make better quality content because that's the expectation now. Um, Mm -hmm. But the problem is like... I, you know, no one wants to make bad content. No one wants to make uh, not good quality content. You want to make the best you can possibly make every time. Uh, but I, you may just, yeah, but just not having access to those resources until you get to a certain threshold is frustrating. I, I, there's also, uh, and and uh, I'm just going to say this. I, I don't know if it applies to this situation in, in the the subject in particular, and also, um, I don't know what at what stage of writing you're in. So there's a lot of caveats uh, to what I'm about to say, but there's also the 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 reality that some things are just not, or some perspectives, I suppose, are just not um, yours to talk about. In the sense of, uh, you know, you can you you can't you can uh, I don't think. I don't think you can expect yourself to be able to talk about a, a trans perspective or or a queer perspective in in uh, in regards to even for example. Yeah. Uh, it's why what, what it's why I would want input or even just straight up like here's a three minutes of somebody else in the video. No, no, but what I'm saying fa- is because of the fact that like I can't be like other because other, otherwise I was just like paying lip service to the vague concept of like and yeah and this might be worse if you're a woman and then no, that's no, it you can that's say, all I say and that doesn't you can feel say real your perspective about it what I'm saying is uh you don't you, n- nobody expects your video to be the perspective of a of a, a, a trans person for example and and you shouldn't expect your video to have that as well uh because at a certain point there's a certain level of of um appropriation I I suppose of, of you just bringing in uh, those perspectives into your own video instead of pointing people to here's a channel that ha- that talks about this or, or do you know what I mean? Like you can, you can, 
say the other people's perspectives. You you can account for that in your own op opinions and in, in perspectives. But there's a certain level of appropriation as well, I think, that might be... Um, I, don't I know, think generally taking... speaking, featuring somebody in your video and then sending people to them is more effective than just name dropping yeah. them and hoping people click it. Because, yeah, 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 like yeah. historically, I can't even get people to I, I, to follow through with me name dropping my own other channel. <laughs> like, let alone person <laughs> yeah. they've never met before in a personality driven platform. No, I so was yeah. So I, that's why I was saying I, the, the caveats. Because in my head, for some reason, I was just thinking. People would tell you, "Hey, this is uh, this is my opinion. This is my perspective," and then you would incorporate that into your own script. And this, and I wasn't thinking. Uh, I mean, it, it, I'm just saying. I mean, it would it would be not... either sourced or it'd be literally their voice, depending on the context of the collaboration, yeah. which I kind of am not yeah. experienced at coordinating or know how to even network. I find emailing other YouTubers or DMing them or whatever like intensely stressful, <laughs> and. Mm -hmm. uh, and the answer is you. The answer usually is nothing. Usually, you don't hear back at all. Uh, and to the extent that it's like, yeah, there's an element of like the reason. The, I think the reason that people generally collaborate is usually because they're like mutual mutual admirers of each other's content. And so, if your stuff isn't doesn't have reach, then nobody knows you exist. And so that you, you're just another sort of like faceless person showing up in their inbox in a way that like yeah, like I relate to because like I like. Especially like with audience members, sometimes like I'll hear I'll, like an audience member will make a YouTube their own Let's Play channel and then they'll want to collaborate and 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 I'll usually just let it die there. And it's like and I and I feel bad every time, but I'm also like, I don't like I don't know you. And it's like, how do you it's really weird to like just like try to push through with interacting with somebody that you don't know and so on. And mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and it's and, and in my case, usually it's like people with a brand new account and no audience just trying to like like be like yeah let me in and i'm like how do i get a read of your personality and whether or not you'd be a good fit or whether or not like we would be friends or i even like you or you're not full of like all sorts of distressing ideas you're just gonna like jump out with the moment you're on camera or something yeah. and also just the stress of meeting people and all that like it's it's, it's like i've seen it from both sides and i like i know that's like it's there's like a hundred reasons why it's like a weird experience so I don't have answers about any of it, but I just know, but just from experience and example that like, it's a good idea to have a wider context about certain things. And, but then what people don't always realize is when they make that criticism or bring that up is that it's like the logistics and interpersonal relationship built into the idea of how you get that perspective is like actively difficult. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of hard to answer how you go about doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's... It, yeah, there is a lot of trial and error, but there's also, again, this comes back to the like you don't want to make bad content, you don't want to, you don't yeah. want to make mistakes. No one's like actively trying to create a bad channel. Um, so it, there's like a a lot of vetting process that goes in there. But I guess, I mean, I, I guess there's a. How do you describe it? Like, I get sometimes you do have to take the risk. You make content with someone, but the the idea is that when you make that content with someone, there's like you have a process before it goes live. You can you can waste your time. You know, it is a waste of time, but you can at least it's not like a live stream uh, like you're talking about, where if you yeah, like you can't just bring someone onto a live stream because oh god, what if they say something bad? Um, there's a lot of risk there. 
but with like at least uh, cre like edited content you can at least get a feel you go like okay well this you, you submitted a lot of information here that's uh clearly bad um and in bad faith or whatever and so like maybe you can move on you know you, you don't obviously include that and you can check that person off the list but um but again yeah it comes down to like finding people finding people that are willing to do that finding people that uh that hopefully aren't bad and like how do you coordinate how do you and like how does yeah like how does compensation work how does all this other logistics it's like it, again it's like running a business it's like running a company you suddenly you're like doing a lot of uh sales and pr that you just don't really know how to do given like your general content creation has always just been let's plays which yeah, it's really completely require out, it's that completely much. outside of my skill set yeah it's not something you've been working on since you started youtube because it's not what you needed to do in youtube to survive yeah. and so yeah also, there's like yeah go ahead i was just saying you're just you're touching on something uh that's very near and dear to our hearts i i, I suppose which is you can't like as youtubers we can't afford to spend time investing into a project and then scrap it halfway down the the road for whatever reason everything is everything is so tight all the time that it's um we're, we're busy yeah <laughs> we're very busy but, generally but we're busy in a way that that is always with aim to, of production like it's the it's the feeling that that streamers and and youtubers get of uh they can't play games by themselves because it feels like they're just wasting time and it's super <laughs> bad in so many ways but on, on that that i think the more the more important takeaway from that is is realizing that there's no investment your all of our time is is either wasted time because we did something wrong or something didn't work out or we're produ producing things we're doing a let's play or streaming or whatever and so that that, that means we don't have time to try somebody out and that's why Keith, I think that's that's part of the reason why Keith feels how he feels, and I agree the, the sort of reticence towards people reaching out. And yeah, and just the general, I I just have a general stress with meeting people too. I don't like new people. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I don't know who. There's definitely people that just run up to random people and like, like, I, I, I've, like, uh, I've had friends that just fucking make friends on the fly constantly. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> just walked up to that person. And now they're like coming to tabletop night. Like, we, like what? Oh, <laughs> like, how did this happen? <laughs> that's making friends on the fly. I thought you were just, you know, oh, yeah, no, you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> There's yeah, very, there's just some people, people that are, are incredibly forward and you're like, what is happening? It's just about being trusting, I think, more than necessarily being friendly. Who trusts? That's scary. Be less trusting. Yeah, right? I mean, I'll have hangups where if somebody says yes to something, but then they don't, but then the, like it's not a good time or whatever, then I'm like, oh God, how much do I... How many more times do I keep messaging them about maybe it being a good time later? Or was it not being a good time them politely saying no? Or <laughs> like how many how 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 do you how much do you pursue the potential connection to another person that you don't know after the first time like maybe didn't work out or maybe was a no to begin with? <laughs> 
I hate it. I mean, that's, I that's more of, I feel like that's more of someone else needing to be better about properly explaining. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like they yeah. just need to be better about communicating. I feel like if you're, if you're trying to collaborate with someone, you don't want to be wishy-washy about that. You don't want to be like, oh, maybe not right now, a little bit later. Cause it, well, when there's a little bit later, like to say, Hey, I'm in the middle of a project. Give me like, you know, give me a month or two and I'm down to do that. Or no, I'm not really interested. I'm not doing collaborations at this time. Thanks for reaching out. Like, I don't know. I, again, this goes back to individuals. Obviously, people have to be uh, good about communication, which is not humanity's strong suit, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> and so, the, surprisingly. Uh, well, I mean, it's the only thing we're good at is talking and somehow we're bad at it. So good, nah, good on we're, us. The, uh, we're good at making music as well sometimes. Which takes communication because we have to communicate how that works. Mm. We have to express that knowledge some way. Um, and so then you get people who are saying certain things are certain things and they're not things. But it, the point is, is that creating, uh, trying to like build, network, it's just networking, trying to network with people in your field is really frustrating uh, when you don't have a mutual in. There's not like... Uh, trying to think of a good example here like you know uh in uh in like a certain business they would have a like an actual cocktail mixer kind of deal where people from a certain field go and meet other people in that field and they talk about their field and you know some of them use it as a way to grow like they learn information about some in the, something in their field they didn't know about from somebody who does that or they learn new people and they talk to new people and like youtube's it can YouTubers, be a uniquely isolating job yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Because it has all these really weird quirks and elements and stresses, but also no one you talk to about them understands them because they can't experience them. And then you're dealing with this weird parasocial element where you're like, okay, well, all the people that would understand any of the problems I have or the questions I have are people that only I know, but they don't know me. <laughs> so there's like that barrier where it's like, I, I, I've, I've, there's this whole thing to get into about parasocial relationships and how like, you audience do not know me and this is not a, a two-way relationship i don't i basically don't know most of you exist in any real way and even the ones that i do kind of know exist it's not really in an appreciable way it is not in any way comparable to the hundreds of hours you've listened to me talk or whatever uh and like that seemed like a nice clean division until i realized oh fuck all of my peers that i would have any interest in collaborating with are people that i have a one-sided parallel social relationship with in the exact same way but they're yeah. also like kind of my peers and, I, and that's like an like a very difficult to reconcile uh phenomenon and it genuinely seems like the solution is just get famous and then yeah happen to both know about each other <laughs> that's and that's what i'm saying is like there's there comes a point uh, for youtubers luck. Yeah, for YouTubers specifically, there comes a point where you just, once you reach a certain level, you're then allowed to reach out to people. Because now you are standing in the same plateau as them. You're like, yeah, I'm a guy with a million subs. Hey, guy with a million subs, can we talk? And it's like, I guess I can understand where you're coming from, a million subs fellow. Like, yes, let's communicate. <laughs> and it's like this weird, like, club with tears. So, like, the more subscribers you have, the more... You know, the higher up the tier you can go uh obviously there's differences here like you have you know there are people like i don't know you look at pewdiepie it's like no one stands at his at his plateau he's a lonely man up there mm -hmm. with a bunch of corporations next to him but like 
<laughs> obviously he collaborates with people below, below his station um like markiplier or jacksepticeye but then you look at like you know then you keep going down that list you do the like degrees of kevin bacon it's like well how often does markiplier collaborate with someone who's like at a hundred thousand subs no what about like three hundred thousand subs and you like you just keep going to see like oh so here's like the limit here's where you know it's like a an age slider on tinder like ah, i'm only gonna go <laughs> after people between this age and this age like no if you're this much too much for me like I, it's it's weird but it, it makes sense to a degree like you don't again like you talked about you don't want to take this risk with your basically your entire job you don't want to like bring someone in who is a literal tornado and just destroys your entire business because you didn't do the proper vetting job which normally can be done hopefully by subscriber count you say like well if someone's like a million popular they can't be a bad person but then of course they can of course they can but but the point is like you create these like false ideas in your head like okay well a million people maybe they're not like the worst people on the planet so let's give them you know like let's look at their profile see what they kind of are like now you're giving them time even if it's not directly communicating you're giving them the time of looking at them and like as soon as you do that it's like that's an acknowledgement that they are at least on on an equal plane like yeah you would definitely interact with them now let's see if you can interact with them like on a human level um and obviously you know and it goes from there and so that's like what's frustrating is i think i i think that's what's important about networking events is that networking events are supposed to kind of like burn those curtains down like there's no there's no blinders to prevent you from saying like ah you have a thousand subscribers i won't even look at you peasant like you the idea is that you can you you walk up to someone and you interact with them. You see if you why get everyone along. lives in L.A. Well, yeah, that's why everyone lives in L.A. But <laughs> L.A. isn't a good place to live. So stop doing no. that. But secondly, uh, it's just it's not that's not a cohesive way to do this when YouTube is a literal like planetary wide uh, job. Like, you know, you people are YouTubers everywhere. So how does a British YouTuber become up and coming without flying to L.A.? Like, sorry, but like, you know, I don't know British slang, but insert British slang here. You're not coming to L.A. Like it's it's frustrating. And uh, and I think like I, I remember very early on, like very early on in the whole YouTube game, there used to be these little mixer events. I remember at like the YouTube headquarters. They used to have little parties for uh, for channels that were a certain size that obviously weren't the corporations. They weren't invited. They didn't need to. Um and I remember these little soirees used to happen. And that's how like people would interact with each other. And then it moved on to like conventions like uh, um, this, like why TwitchCon exists. And I think YouTube has like VidCon or something like conventions became the new way to network with people in your field where it's like, hey, I met you at, uh, at VidCon. Let's make a video. We ate breakfast at Denny's after getting drunk one day. Now we're besties. <laughs> and um. And like I noticed that I would always see channels I would follow and then I would see them like go to a convention like Twitch or VidCon and suddenly they were like collaborating with another person like who's that? Where did you meet them? What breakfast did you have with them after a party? And like that's the that's seemingly how you need to grow is by needing to interact with people in a environment that conventions are really appealing looking these days too. Yeah, (laughs) right. Conventions Uh, are like super appealing right now. Uh, yep, I love the only, danger. Yeah, the only thing more compelling is a boat. Let's get on a boat with a bunch of YouTubers in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic. Definitely going to go well. 
Um, what are you about? A convention in a boat. A convention in a boat for YouTubers, be, but it's not run by TikTokers. <laughs> so every every station's manned by somebody doing a dance and lip syncing to a song. But in the background, you see a bunch of YouTubers uh, collaborating and talking with one another. That would be great. What a what a utopia we could live in. Um, but yeah, no. Th mm. So I think that's the I think that's kind of the hurdle right now is I think you're uh, personally, I think you're at a point where like you can you can make good content, but you're not going to be able to collaborate until you start interacting with people that also make your same content but not over the internet because it's not going to work because people over the internet are, you know, on the defensive side. They're like, <laughs> they're basically sitting there with shields up. Like I like potatoes and they're like swinging that sword as they do that, but then put their shield up immediately. And so you say something like me too. Can we talk about potatoes? And like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm sorry. Sorry. I asked. But if you did that, like in, in, a, in person, they're like, I like potatoes. And you're like, I like potatoes. That guy gets it. Like, then you can collaborate and interact with each other because it. you're like, you can, yeah, like, you know, you're, you're right there in person. You're it. like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's a weird feeling between interacting with someone online only and interacting with someone in person that is a stranger. Like when you're when you're interacting with a person physically, like there's a difference in how you can quickly build a, a connection and like not friendship necessarily, but just like you can. I, again it's like you can talk to people as people in person a lot easier than you can talk to people as people on the internet um because again you don't i don't know there's like this the anonymity aspect is like even if you put your name and your face and your address and like your social on your twitter account people are still like nah, i don't know about that guy still a little suspicious i think there needs to be some more verification here like there's there's no amount that you can belay yourself on the internet before someone like implicitly trusts you but in person it's a lot easier to get that because they're like okay well uh, he's within stabbing range he's definitely a real person i think he's uh i think i think we can get along like there's i don't know there's like a vulnerability in in real life that you can't get on the internet that i think makes this Andrews, kind you're of trying to get me on a list <laughs> <laughs> what? i'm the one who's saying this you're not the one saying it at all the uh co now so come the on down to, to andrew con we're all range. within stabbing range <laughs> we all get our own little circle and we can stand with it don't leave the circle because then you're in you're too close yeah stay in stabbing range yeah, you gotta stay in stabbing range you leave stabbing range the trust is broken that's it you never come back again um yeah, that's I don't know. That's the that's the way I see it. That's whenever I think about stuff like I I like the idea or I keep meddling around the idea in my head about doing anime videos. But then I think like, no, no, I absolutely never will, because it requires me to like interact <laughs> with with other anime people. And I just refuse to. I don't want to worst talk to nightmare those. of people. Yeah, I don't want to interact with weebs. I hate weebs. I don't want to be around them. They're <laughs> awful people. And like they have the worst taste. They have unnecessary amounts of gross weeb shit around that I don't want to look at. It's just not not great. I don't want to deal with it. And uh, but if you want to get into that space, the best way to do it is obviously to be interacting with other weebs because they're going to provide you like access or knowledge that you may not have um, for various reasons. Like some of them live in countries that are easier to get stuff or some of them speak a language you may not speak. But um, and I'm trying like I'm trying to become a, a one man facilitator. I'm trying to become fluent in the language. So I don't need nobody in that area. And I can, 
you know, I've been to the country multiple times, so I'm aware of how to navigate Japan. I could probably just go there and grab something real quick and run away. Um, grab something like, real quick. Yeah, yeah. You could just I, I like if you know something's like in a in a weird underground mall in like Tokyo. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll just take the train over here, quickly run down there and push all the other American weaves out of the way and grab the thing and scuttle out of there, get on a plane and head back home real quick, like. Uh, all right, all right. You'll you'll remember that I I had a language barrier question for one of my essays before too, where I'm like, it'd be really helpful if I knew somebody that could really reliably yeah. translate things because I was like, I I want to because I'm trying to somebody that both can translate it and also has like all the cultural context of what it would mean so they can explain it to me for what it means exactly because like f there's like in the B stars stuff there are so many questionable descriptions and things where i'm like hmm what do they what do they mean by that exactly like what is the cultural context that is like several paragraphs of context you need that aren't what they're fitting in this tiny blurb here because they're saying interesting things about gender expression in the description of the characters at the end of each of these volumes and i'm like okay what is that what do they mean by that though because you're like this <laughs> it's like it one is like a japanese author wrote it in a given in a japanese context and then somebody else localized it into the volume that i have and then i'm like okay like if i re if i read if i go online and i read a fan translation of it that existed before it came to the united states it's kind of saying something completely different and that's even more interesting and could actually i could have a whole point about this if it means what i think it means but also none of it could mean what i think it means <laughs> and i'm like yeah i need to be able to have a conversation with somebody that fully understands both languages and the cult cultural context of what the page is going for and what that means in context and i'm like or I can go fuck myself. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just like grasping vaguely at like that. This might mean this if I'm if I like just, you know, <laughs> make several leaps, basically, because I can't be sure. And then your cinema sins or something. Maybe. But that's the yeah, that's the that's the problem is there's there's a lot of factors involved, especially like the again, the more the higher the quality you want to make of any kind of uh, essay video, the more hurdles you're going to run into, the less access you have to a network of people. And that's just, that is frustrating. It feels, it feels like, you know, it feels helpless or hopeless. It's like, well, why even bother getting into the space if I can't even get, if I can't even make the, the kind of quality content I want to make. But again, that, that's where you just kind of have to sacrifice that. You kind of have to, except that there will be limitations and you can wiggle your way through sometimes you can try to you know you can do as much as you can to try to wiggle through that but sometimes you just have to express that you can't do it um sometimes yeah. you just have to say like no i can't uh you know like there's some expressions going on here but i'm not i, I can't quite parse them um but just know that there is deep deep uh gender exp expressions going on in this section um mm -hmm. it's like yeah i don't i don't know i've yeah there's and like it's it's a lot worse too in other cultures when you're trying to parse uh parse things happening in a culture that you're not a part of um like yeah like a lot of gender identity stuff in japan's really tricky to understand because it's one it's a very different yeah. culture than most western cultures but two it's not as like it's not as clear-cut either it's not 
like here where or like in the u.s where some people are like yeah those people are bad and then some people are like i don't it's they're humans just let them do it like it's not that clear cut it's like there are some there's like weird uh what, what do you call it like traditional uh views and expectations that you're navigating through and like how people are some people are worried about the traditional values and some people are worried about like the morality and some people are worried about like how is it going to look when we advertise on Facebook? Like, there's just a lot of weird elements that uh, sometimes aren't as similar to your own culture. And that can be frustrating trying to navigate when you're like, I also don't speak this language. So what the hell is anybody saying about it? A lot yeah. of angry people don't know what any of them are saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, there's some questions with like going into Squid Game where you're like, well, obviously, I'm going to be looking at this as an American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm going to like almost exclusively talk about it in American terms. Like I can look up the one union busting thing that a specific plot point is about. But aside from that event, I'm not going to be like, and here's my PhD in South Korean context. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, when it's I like, no, I don't fucking. <laughs> yeah, like when I, I whenever I watch, <laughs> whenever I watch Korean, there's, films, a, certain, there's a certain level of just needing to be able to just go like, fuck it and just commit and just like put something yeah. out and just be like, that's what it is. And hope for the exactly. best. Like there's other like there's other things that fuck with me. Like I, it was so much easier to write my two videos that were about movies because you can just rewatch a movie. Like I can watch <laughs> the movie and I can record the movie while I'm watching the movie from whatever service it's on, so I can use it for footage. And then I can sit there and keep like like scrabbling through the movie while I'm writing my script. And then when I'm completely done with my script and proofread it, I can then rewatch the movie with the script in mind and, and note whether or not there's like massive contradictions or mistakes that are happening because that's what all I've been thinking about is my script. And the movie is just like, I can relatively easily watch one movie like four times in the process of, of writing a script about it. I, it, I can't really do that with like, Beastars the same way and that's like the easiest example because it's only two seasons that are relatively short of like 20 minute episodes i wanted to write about data <laughs> from star trek and i'm like hang on a minute this is almost 200 episodes <laughs> I, yeah how the fuck do i know when i even have a good enough point that isn't massively contradicted by season five episode two or or like i have like my scripts about walking dead and i'm like I, i'm not going to rewatch walking dead like when I'm done writing these scripts to see if they're good enough. Like the best I can do is put the scripts up on Patreon and hope one really dedicated Walking Dead fan happens to read them and actually points out something really glaring. Otherwise, it's literally just going to be out in the public and then the three thousandth person that watches it notices the glaring flaw. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, oh no! But and I like think... yeah, like I wanted to write about outer. Like I was talking about Colonel with about collaborating on uh, outer outer worlds because he's also he has a lot of opinions about outer worlds and it's like. That's a terrifying thing to write about because it's a long ass RPG. And it's like, how do I replay the entire game just to finish my script to make sure it's not massively misguided? But then there's the, uh, and to some extent, yeah, like, there's like a certain level of fuck it, let's just go. Like, I, the more, like, the more I've re seen them, rewatched them, I think I said before, like, I, I see the flaws in other people's essays. Like, when I'm, as, as I become familiar with the, uh, the essay and also the source material, I noticed like the gaps in their arguments or weird points that don't seem to make sense or parts where they're weirdly mean in a way that seems counterproductive. And like something like something that caught my eye re recently is that uh, I've been watching Jesse gender and she pointed out that she's a perfectionist and I'm like, man, can I get the brand of perfectionism that you have? Cause like, uh, you cannot accuse Jesse gender of not being prolific. Like, 
like uh, if she's a perfectionist and i don't want to disregard anything she says about herself but like like I, i'm sure that the little reviews she does are just like basically spur of the moment like just crank something out like it's like oh she because she reviews every episode of star trek as it comes out across three shows and that's like just kind of like filler i imagine and isn't so i'm not talking about that specifically but like there's like a 40 plus minute essay like essay essay like once a week practically and i'm like how the actual fuck are you like committing to scripts so consistently and then and then recording and editing them i'm like how i want that brand of perfectionism because i sure as fuck like mine's mine whatever if it's even is perfectionism the anxieties i have about this stuff lead to mostly just not finishing things or or needing to like go over them again and again and then going on another project because looking at this one's too exhausting now and so on <laughs> yeah there's there's a there's a different level of uh i think i think the part of it is is falling into a um a rhythm so the things that you consider perf you know subject to perfectionism can be yeah. different based on you know different people it's like it, if you ever seen somebody be like i'm a perfectionist and then you look at their stuff and it's all crap <laughs> the same thing <laughs> Not saying obviously not saying that about Jesse Zender, but um uh it's uh I think like because people get gain the experience in their craft, it becomes yeah. Get get her uh her brand of of uh a perfection perfectionism for sure. I've I've officially found enough like essay style channels that I actually have trouble keeping up with their videos, <laughs> which I didn't think was possible because of how infrequent most of them upload. But there's it is a full ass field. Yeah, I I mean one last thing uh, on like creating bad content or creating failed content. I always think back to uh, like a really good elegant um, reaction to this was uh, like Super Eye Patch Wolf's. Uh, the fall of bleach four years later like i think that's probably like the the solution here is that you create something you do your best and if you fail then you'll have to come back to it and like that's okay that's perfectly fine to like need to come back and correct the record so to speak um mm -hmm. i think there's you know there's there's not there's nothing inherently wrong with that i think the I think what's always wrong is when you um when you like obstinately believe that you always made the right thing the first time. Like it's mm -hmm. just you have to you know it, yeah you're going to make mistakes and it, the 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 important part is knowing how big those mistakes are. Are they big enough to change the the entire narrative that you created or are they something minute like oops I got the year wrong. Like are you going to make a whole new video cuz you got the year wrong? <laughs> Probably not. But in the comment uh, actually it's the un not the us <laughs> yeah exactly uh but yeah. obviously yeah it's a i thought both of my videos were really bad <laughs> really <laughs> yeah and I then mean, and then the, the like i the audience opinion became my opinion essentially where it's like i needed i needed them to just go out and then people react to them because you're so deep into the weeds that you hate everything you're like, am I, are, like, you're like, are are any of these even good points? And is, is any of this even worth it? Is this fucking hospital bit just self-indulgent bullshit? <laughs> That's how I feel watching the hospital anime. bit. Which one was it? 
the hospital part of Annihilation. Oh. Oh, there's a lot of yeah. that. There's also there's obviously a lot of that in the YouTube video, the YouTube video mm -hmm. about YouTube, where it's like, am I just being a whiny little shit? <laughs> is that just is this just me being annoying and whiny and none of this matters? Uh, yeah, always. But what I matters see, is I can how other that. people view it. So I, I mean, can see the, the pitfall of of thinking overthinking. Yeah, and, 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 and of course, one of the first fucking headings that I I, I come up on is like one of the first rules about this kind of job is similar to that of like being a game developer and so on where it's like it's like isn't this your passion job isn't this isn't this what you dreamed of there's a billion people that would take this up in an instant if you just got the fuck out of the way so why are you complaining like that's like the that's the trap of being in game development and there's a similar thing with youtube where it's like because so many people want to be youtubers it's you're seen as like an entitled little shit if you if you complain about any of it basically and so that's like an inherent uh thing to break through and just and, and also discuss in directly when you're making a video about uh the downsides of being a youtuber yeah i think i i i don't have patience for for that sort of kick uh, pushback on on any any job whatsoever like it doesn't matter what you do you can be i don't know what would be the dreamest of jobists Whatever, it doesn't matter. You can <laughs> have the the job that everybody wants and only one person in the world can have, and you're still entitled to teaching the rest of us the downsides of that. Because it's not even complaining. It's not even trying to get it better. It's teaching. Because somebody who doesn't do YouTube has a lot of difficulty understanding the downsides of, of doing YouTube. Yeah, which and, is the and, point. Which is, yeah, yeah. So it's not even about not accepting. Is it just shut up and listen? <laughs> Because it's, uh, it's, it, there's, uh, like, I think, uh, specifically, I, I mean, I don't know if it applies as much to uh, long-form video video content uh, as it does to Let's Play, but it's, it, it's something that we tend to not identify as much, uh, I, I get that impression, is that we don't think of ourselves, or we don't think of YouTubers as gig economy workers which they absolutely are yeah and and the, the the fact that the barrier to entry is so small uh, and and well it's not incredibly small but it is a lot smaller than for example being an uber driver or or being being a uh a music a music artist or something like that um the barrier for entry is smaller but your but also the chance of anything coming of it is like astronomically smaller whereas mm -hmm. you start you start doing uber you just get paid which is like wow i would love that would be incredible if, if on youtube yeah. you could just like start doing it and then get paid for the work you did no yeah. you do it for free for like half a decade in, in most cases and then yeah. suddenly you start making some money and you're like oh my god i can do that yeah but yeah, people yeah. would be killing to have your job what's wrong with you <laughs> but, I, but i also think that that there's a there's an a, a a misalignment between expectations from viewers and the reality. I at least I speak from myself. Uh, when oh, I yeah, almost everyone's inter interpreted to be making more money than they are. Oh yeah, for one, but and having an easier job than they do. Yeah, th that's that's the thing. Like, but the vast majority of time that a YouTuber spends working is not making videos. It's not uh, maybe it's not even editing videos, but it it might be editing videos. There's there's so much more management that you need to do, and and it's easily 
It's easily half the time, if not more. Like, I... I definitely spend a lot more time editing and, and uh, uploading things and commenting and lo looking at comments and preparing for more games and looking into troubleshooting things and whatnot and trying to get better uh, than I do playing. And most of my videos... And I, and I still, when I, when I was doing most of my videos, just, you know, start recording, stop recording and upload immediately without editing. Even then I was doing more, more other random nonsense than I was actually playing. So, yeah, it's just, I can definitely see where, like, it's, people don't, people have no idea. But the thing is, as a streamers don't work that way, though. There's a lot less other random nonsense for streamers because once you have your your yeah. things set up which they do take it does take a lot of time and know-how uh, don't get me wrong getting a streamer doing their job properly it, it it does take a lot of time but once you're done with that unless you go out of your way to to do it uh, when you're off camera uh, you can just you know turn the camera on and, and stream streaming but no. I, I think streaming is kind of i think that streaming is a lot scarier and a lot harder in some aspects because there's this element of live there's uh, there's a lot of element of timing involved like mm -hmm. uh i think there's with the expectation like with youtube you can a little bit more can, uh, easily set expectations you can you can publish a video at 8 a.m and you can schedule that published video you know two years in advance whereas like you can't already go live you know like you have to you need to show up at 8 a.m you need to be ready not have any technical issues hope your internet doesn't decide that today is the day it has cut you off from the world and is trying to kill you like there's so many yeah. there's like a yeah. lot of really don't have any pain flare-ups from your disability or whatever yeah like the, there the are, number there of are, like just human elements there's so many annoying factors that go into like keeping a consistent live experience going and I like, yeah, this is uh, like I've, I've there's like a big um, there's a big VTuber I watch that has this that like has a lot of medical conditions and uh, and it, it is like a struggle sometimes to stream. And based on like a lot of it's based on like, oh, if they get like the, the medicine they need to survive depends on if they have the energy to stream and like stuff like that. And uh, and it's it's scary. It's like scary to see how how devastating or how devastated they are that they couldn't make it like exactly on time or the fact that they had to skip a day because they literally woke up and like felt pain all over their body and it's like oh i'm so sorry i you know like i can't believe i can't stream today i'm really it's like you're <laughs> you're a living person that should be your like yeah. number one priority first and then streaming should be second but like on youtube you can be like i woke up and i don't want to live today all right i'm gonna do this tomorrow and like, so you could just lay down and, you know, if you have the content you do, if you don't, then maybe you can like quickly make a video that says like, Hey guys, sorry, I don't feel very good. This is coming out tomorrow or whatever, because I didn't do my thing. Goodbye. And then like, or you wake do it, up tomorrow you do it like feel better. Hmm? You do it like I do, which is dramatically reduce the amount of videos you put out, but you, it's basically the same revenue every month. It's, it's not just, much, but it's, it, it didn't get affected for whatever you just reason. Do what I do and just don't release videos at all. And <laughs> just sometimes show up with a whole series and then run away into the night. Um, but like, yeah, obviously, I mean, obviously this isn't my job, but it's to, whenever I see like live streamers, it always is like this. It's like t looking at YouTube and going like, yeah, but how could I make this 
a lot harder and worse for me. I'm going to do mm-hmm. that. And you're like, oh my God, what are you, what are you doing? It's like just the, I don't know. Like I've, it's, it's weird to see live streamers, um, continue, like, especially ones that do it for years. It's like crazy to me, the idea that you keep up such a rigorous, uh, habit that you yeah. stream. And like, I right. think about the, the time investment there, like you, you just block out a time of your life and sure. It's like, it's like working, you know, you take it like working, you block out eight hours of your life. Everyone does it, uh, in some way. But to be like to be looking at people for that much time is like so much to me. The idea that someone could just sit down and stream for four hours and then like turn around and have to spend another four hours like figuring out promotions, what you're going to do next, like, you know, editing that content and doing social media. And just like it's just so much just for uh, an experience that whenever I look from the outside, there's just a lot of people saying a lot of things in chat, sometimes mean stuff. (laughs) and you have to like endure that live. I couldn't imagine playing, I don't know, like like all the comments I got during Honey Pop were awful. They like kind of were almost <laughs> breaking me. And I couldn't imagine getting those comments while playing live because I feel like that would just Oh no. Like, yeah. There's an ex- yeah, there's like a it's it's like a magic. Live the, comments are so much worse than the yeah. random comments. Yeah. Like watch you're like on a train and every time a comment hits, it's like wind pushing the train off the tracks. And like the worse the harder the the comments get, the more you're like, all right, maybe I'll just turn with the wind and go off the tracks this time because it sounds way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's <laughs> It's crazy to me, but like I, I, you know, I don't think live streamers have it easy. I don't think YouTubers have it easy. It's just this like, it's crazy to me the kind of like back twisting you do to do entertainment stuff on the internet. There's a lot of, um, a lot of sacrifice that I, I cannot fathom doing because I str- I can't even do it myself. And so like seeing someone commit to doing this on bigger do, and bigger you do levels, like sign off your entire Sunday most weeks. I do, we do the yeah, podcast do. and then there's a break and then we do Final Fantasy for four hours. Yeah. And it, it, it is a lo- it is kind of hard. It can be really hard when like it basically I get two days to or like one day to do things on the weekend. And then uh, the rest of the, you know, then I'm working Monday through Friday and then Saturday is like Friday nights and Saturday nights are kind of like, well, sometimes I might join a, a, the live stream or sometimes I might try and do other stuff like it's tough trying to balance all that. And especially like, you know, you have other people you're balancing it with, you're tying schedules to other people and that makes it harder. But the, um, but like I've made a habit now, like every day when I get off work, there's this time window I have between when I get off work and when my partner gets home that I have basically this, uh, a hundred percent free time. And I use that time to just do YouTube stuff. I'll record like one or two episodes of something or or I'll record an episode of something, edit an episode of something, and then just that's it. And then once partner gets home, go into mm-hmm. the rotation, make dinner, take shadow out, you know, eat food, get ready to go to sleep, start the day over again, cycle repeats. But like that's you know like if they're like in an idealistic world, that eight hours of time that I'm doing for my job would be dedicated to YouTube, and that's fine. I could do that, but um, but yeah, the problem is juggling this with. Uh, actual source of income because like you talked about you just do youtube for like 20 years and then eventually youtube's like here's five dollars and you're like cool i can buy a pizza <laughs> like oh man i would, I, I, would never, I would i would never want to go back to juggling a youtube channel with uh with like life 
like with like, like yeah, a yeah. job where it's like with it's life. so <laughs> draining to find the energy to do a youtube channel while also working in a cubicle and whatnot yeah it's uh, it's it's a lot and that's why like my policy now personally i've changed my policy to be i'm not going to release videos until i have completed something so like i didn't start releasing videos for halo infinite until i had already beaten halo infinite because i oh, didn't wow. i didn't want to i don't want to i i noticed myself getting into this cycle where i'll like commit and i'll say okay i'm gonna do a you thing you kept starting things and then they would they would just end yeah yeah and i couldn't finish them because something basically it would pile up where i would I, you know, something would happen. I couldn't record an episode. I'd get behind. And now that I'm behind, I'm upset because I've missed an episode and I feel like now I've lost everything and it all just comes yeah. down. That, like, I just get into a bad like, spiral. You, we, there was like one session of Heaven's War that you needed to edit like six months ago. And as a result, all of your Final Fantasy streams stopped being live. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I'm trying. Like, I'm slowly been getting through editing them. But I, now I'm at the point where I'm like, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to record it. I'm going to I have all the footage still it's all still there and so I keep editing it and as I edit it I keep uploading it but I just don't want to commit to doing the editing on the YouTube side because I just like yeah. it's like I don't want to do that because then I got it I don't know how many ep, I like how many episodes do I have and how do I space the timing out where do I put it in it's like just this annoying nightmare that I'm like okay I'll just deal with this later whereas like Halo Infinite was like all right I recorded like here's all the episodes I recorded chopped it all up I literally exported all of them in like one go. I literally just sat, edited every every episode because mm -hmm. DaVinci lets me like do this really uh, efficient timeline uh, setup. And so I edited everything, put all of it into a render queue, let it just sit there and render for two days, render all of my videos, and then uploaded all of them. Again, waited like I think that was actually like three days to upload all of them, and then was done. And then like I just wanted to, based on my lunch period for uh for work during my lunch i just sat there and like made the thumbnail for everything and then when i got off work i just spent the whole time editing every single video scheduled it out was done it felt really good i didn't have to think about it for like oh like two weeks yeah done speaking of um, gads andrew you remembered to name part two of monster prom after negojishi but then you didn't put him in the thumbnail what are you uh, doing no, because, you gotta get them clicks because look at my thumbnails i made the <laughs> conscious decision to put every character with who that character or who that person's trying to go out with so that way there's the the understanding for the audience like ah, oh, i see that's who everyone's going after you gotta get clicks i Speaking don't want of, uh... the clicks for that i'm done with that put it away <laughs> no no go home bad close people. the doors i'm already following sorry of I... halo infinite 200,000 uh, views on Tokyo Jungle. <laughs> I uh, I watched uh, Andrew's Halo Infinite Let's Play and uh, highly recommended. Very good rants. Very sorry. The game is terrible. <laughs> it's not great. It's not very good at all. <laughs> I, I haven't exposed myself to it because I want to I co-op it at some point. I can't wait but to co-op it. I don't know if I'll have people to co-op with. I guess you. I, I'll, I'll happily co-op with it because I want to see how bad that game runs with four people like fucking hang gliding around. It's it going to be great. It sure sounds like they don't know how to make it work. Otherwise, it wouldn't be out already. <laughs> no, there's no way you can do it. It's going to be just like it, the only way you can. Because I, I want to see how they're going to do the Halo teleport. The, the patented uh monumental halo teleport you to some other yeah. location because oh god it's gonna be fantastic i, I on can't all those wait. small maps before they would 
<laughs> they would just yeah 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 so it's gonna be uh, the, fun the, the, ga- um, the game was so much smaller before and you had to teleport to <laughs> yeah. your allies whenever you got too far away but two we although that was that was back when they did split screen which they already got rid of last game which is infuriating in its own way like halo True. 5 already didn't have split screen which is the re- which is why i still haven't played it uh and uh halo infinite also doesn't have split screen so like at some point i need to play halo 5 with people too online which pretty much just means you like because <laughs> it's i think that one's on, i think that, well that one's only on xbox one right so like yeah. i can't play with my friends because they just skipped putting that one on pc for some reason thanks yeah uh you can play its multiplayer on pc via some weird workaround thing of like whatever the fuck via microsoft services whereas every other game is on steam uh but it doesn't have the campaign for some reason and it's like that's frustrating honestly uh, halo it's just a 2, weird gap halo 2 not being on pc is the reason why i have the perception that halo is just not on pc apart from the halo oh, on PC. PC. i know i know i know but like in my mind at any time i think about it like i know the newer games are but, but no, halo 2 is on pc next, every halo game oh, is available halo on 2. pc right now except for five yeah. Oh, it's five. Oh, yeah. yeah. Master oh, Chief I'm Collection. Wrong. Master Chief Collection has every game up to like up to up through four, right, and then right, they I'm put Halo Infinite on it. But Halo Five is not in the Master Chief Collection, and it's like, guys, come on. Yeah. And they, and That's it would weird. be fine. You could keep it out of the Master Chief Collection to be stingy, but at least sell it separately. Like, yeah. Sell sell it. Sell the damn game on PC. Um, but it's Even fine if it is because, the bad one, it's just frustrating to have like a yeah. single game gap. I'm like, just fucking give it to me. Yeah, it is. It's frustrating. Um, but I again, I'm I am I really want to play Halo Infinite in co-op because I just I am so excited <laughs> to see how bad it goes. I think they ever there's get just it to work. I yeah, I mean they. It's right now. Big Team Battle's broken, and it's been broken for like almost a month now and they still what? haven't fixed it yeah yeah why is, is it broken? like that is it like that time we tried logging in and then it just was like an empty lobby so yeah so that that's that's a that's a problem that's a problem that's been happening and like it's only gotten worse since they added playlist so now it's like a consistent bug so like basically there's <laughs> the majority of the time you do big team battle it will game fail. of the year um yeah game of the year and <laughs> um and so the because obviously because they had to which is great. I love this. Nothing is better than rushing games out to be holiday releases because then the team takes a holiday fucking vacation when everyone goes and breaks your game. So there's nothing more fun <laughs> than when you release a game that has massively multiplayer elements to it and everyone just destroys your game and you don't have anybody to come and fix it because they're all on vacation. Um, and so the problem has been is that, yeah, they just haven't had time. Well, they haven't had time to do any quality testing. They've had a lot of time to make products. Uh, they sold a lot of new skins um, on the marketplace. But uh, if Man, you go I like Halo for a while, if you go and look at the Halo Infinite, yeah, no one has been. If you look at the Halo Infinite um, subreddit, it is just a fun nightmare. It is like every post is uh, there's always someone saying like, "Man, it'd be you know like I really like this map. It's kind of great." And it's like, "Yeah, well." be you know like just be thankful they didn't sell it for twenty dollars like every single post on that thing is just someone mad about the monetization mad that a game like a basically big team battle doesn't work mad it doesn't have co-op mad it doesn't have forge mad it doesn't have like it's just it's like what what was the point what was the point in releasing this game in the state that it was in as as quickly as you did if you knew that all it was going to do is get bad press it's such a weird 
mentality and i just i don't, I don't know i wonder what the uh, i mean it doesn't just have bad press it, 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 it like i do i do keep seeing the consensus that like oh my god it's the best halo ever made and so on and it's like what, a, what which, an incredible product and so on microsoft's back all that shit someone like those are paid product promotions they are not real <laughs> they they are not I, real promote like i believe if you this. play if you play the game you know it's not real it's and it like i would understand like i I can be really extreme about games. Like I could be uh, unrealistically extreme. Halo Infinite is a nothing sandwich. Like there's nothing there. There's nothing there for anyone. And if you take the co-op away or not co-op, you take the multiplayer away, you like take it out, put it on its own, stand it up and go, hey, how are you doing? Oh, no, that's not good either. Like it, it, it's missing so many maps. It didn't even have like playlists for like half the time it's been out. Like it just got playlist like in a couple weeks, like a couple weeks past. But that's that's a thing that's been in every Halo game since launch. And like it's just it's been just nothing but a a terrible mess all the way through. And it's like I get, you know, like it's a slow process. They're slowly building this up. But this is a delayed game. Like they thought they were going to release this game like a year ago. How? What happened? What did you do? You can't tell me that one ugly brute made you just completely rework an entire game. There's no way that happened. Um, like, it's just, I don't know. I, I it's think, always just I, movies with Mikey quote. It's just the, <laughs> no one knows what they're doing. Like yeah, every, and, all the most powerful people in every industry consistently make massive mistakes and just fall on their faces. And it's like, it's impressive. It's fascinating how consistently they're just, no like there is no there are no people that really know what the fuck they're doing in any in any large field and that's and again i'm i'm fine with that but i'm not i'm not as fine with the idea that it's like passable like it i i don't like the the narrative of like well it's the best halo game that we've had so far and it's like what but what's your metric what's your standard like are you saying halo one wasn't good are you saying that like Halo Infinite's better than Halo One? Because that's really a tough. That's a literally tough sale to make. I will not let you make the sale that Halo Infinite is better than Halo One. <laughs> you um, will not sell this. Yeah, you can't. You can't sell me that because because there is no free market true. in Halo Infinite. Yeah, there is no free market. This is a <laughs> this is a very dystopian universe. Nineteen nineteen ninety nine. What, what was the name of that book in 2005? I don't remember anymore. Um, the uh, <laughs> it's it's just the I don't know. It, it's it's weird to me. Like, I, I can understand the idea that like, yeah, we haven't had a good Halo game in like 20 years. <laughs> um, but or no, I'm sorry. 2007 wasn't that long ago. It but, feels whatever. Like it was that it's long been ago. like almost 15 years. We haven't had a good Halo game. And I get it. It makes you feel desperate. It, again, it makes you feel like you need, you know, just going back to the very beginning of this conversation, it feels like you need to cling on to something uh, like Kingdoms of Amalar. So like, oh, thank God that we have a we have a new similar to uh, Devil May Cry game that we can finally latch on to. And, and <laughs> he's referring feel good to about. Pre, the pre podcast yeah. conversation we had about how like it's just me marveling at the fact that there was reviews comparing Kingdoms of Amalar to Devil May Cry in its combat. And I'm like, have you played Devil May Cry? Because yeah. like. At the time that Kingdoms of Amalur came out, Devil May Cry 4 had been out for like four years and was fucking incredible. So it's fascinating that that it's, was ever written by a human. And and like that's the thing is like I playing Halo Infinite a lot of my my biggest complaint 
is that it does the exact same thing that people praised Halo 1, or it does the exact opposite of the thing that people praise Halo for, is that Halo is, a, is fun because you don't do the exact same thing to survive each encounter. But Halo Infinite is doing the exact same thing to survive each encounter, which is you basically just want to take an a exploding barrel, throw it into the group, and then take the strongest, basically the mauler, take the mauler and headshot every single person you can and move on with life and, and leave. And like, I played the game, I played the game on Heroic. I didn't want to play it on Legendary because that's what I do with co-op. So I played it on Heroic and it was consistently the same thing. Grapple up, throw a thing down, like throw a bunch of grenades down, shoot everybody who, was a survi who survived in the head and then jump down and move on. And you rinse, repeat forever. And that's it. I am very like, worried about it being an open world thing where it can it, it seems like it would devolve into the Far Cry problem of just attacking the outpost the same way every time because they're not yes. functionally different. That's the that's my entire argument is that, that that's why I want to see Halo Infinite multiplayer because it's just fucking Far Cry. You're just going to play Far Cry and you can't trick me. You can't be like, oh, but there's aliens. It's like that doesn't make it not Far Cry. It just means it's a, a better design Far Cry. Like, yeah, like it's just, far, far Cry 4 and especially 5 just like flow right through you and you just like yeah. forget them immediately when you play oh. them because it's just the same loop over and over again until you run out of loop and you're like, oh, I guess I won the map. Yeah, the memories that you make in Far Cry are not because the game made good memories. It's because you had to go and scrounge for memories to make in Far Cry. It's you going out of your way and doing something so incredibly stupid that you created a memory. It's not because you're like, whoa, I can't believe that like this cool mission happened. It's you have to go out of your way and make a dumb thing happen on a boring ass mission. So you go like, oh, yeah, I remember I had to climb up a hill and stab a guy in the throat. Yeah, I remember that happened. But I threw a helicopter at him. That was really funny. Like. That's Halo isn't like that. Halo is a lot more interesting. Halo is like you go into a corridor and you're like, yeah, the fuck I'm going to do this. I need a way different guns. I can't do this is awful. And you run in, you th throw a grenade at a guy and a guy looks at you and runs at you. And you're like, no, 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 that's not what we planned. That's not exactly how we discussed this. And then you go and do it again. And that time the guy runs around and like blows his friends up. And you're like, this is yeah. This it's, is like, so it's like when why? you complimented Halo 1, I was like, well, the multiplayer was in the first yeah. game. Like yeah, the, uh, but, the actual competitive multiplayer, but that campaign, even with the blatant like play this level backwards now recycling, <laughs> it yeah. was so good. It's so good. It was such a good yeah. like series of levels to play back to back, and like there's so many good things I want to revisit there. And there's... the last thing I want is to be like, here's a big open map, and we're gonna make this game last ten years, which to me that sounds like. A whole lot like we're gonna keep grafting new campaigns onto the same map yes. forever. Yeah, because there's like a huge, open ex just this expansive green. Yeah, there's a there's a huge chunk of the of the map that you can't go to because it's just not it's it's not uh, accessible. It's part of later DLC. You can no, obviously it's not made. see it's um, not about being accessible. Well, is they didn't make it. Uh, that's not true because they also didn't make one of the islands you're allowed to go to, but you could still go to it. Um, <laughs> oh. But uh, they cut it out. Yeah, there's they, yeah, there's literally an island in the top left corner of the entire map, and it's a small little island, and there's nothing on it except one priority target you need to headshot. But if you go to the any, if you go anywhere else on the island that's not that one guy, there's nothing there. It's just hills <laughs> and trees. It's just, it's just an, an empty, empty expanse. Yeah, it's just an empty expanse. And I, As I, if I it literally was procedurally it, generated. The only way you can get there is by flying. 
You can't just walk across. You have to fly. So you would directly fly to the guy and then directly fly away from the guy. There's no reason you'd ever sit on the ground and do anything there. And I was like, cool. Absolutely great. There's not even there's not even unlockables there. There's no like hidden whatever armor stuff. There's nothing there. It's just a fucking barren wasteland. It's like, what did you what is this? Did Why you go is there this? in your let's play? Yes. I because I a hundred percent at that game. I a hundred percent I cleared everything out. I killed every enemy. I went to every spot. I got all the God, items. That's and not stuff. a franchise I want to hear that phrase in. Right? I a hundred percent Halo Tsushima, Infinite Fucking Halo. Has, like I don't want no it has collectibles. You beat Halo. It has collectibles, Keith. There you are You can't even pick missions. I'm so mad about that. No, you can't. Halo pick should be you know, Halo should be so good. You have favorite missions and you play yes. them over and over again on Legendary and with friends and so on. And you Let find me, out the quirks of like, aha, you can speed run the you can speed run the level two of, of Halo one because if you kill the Marines, then you can skip that area and so on. Like you get all these quirks and, and playing it. Or like, okay, today we're going to beat the fucking sniper level. It's so fucking hard. Yep. You get to the fucking part where the ship beams you up and then just waves of invisible sword elites just start coming out of the walls. And you're like, how do I get past this fucking level? It has to be possible. And it's like, yep. it's all about those memorable set pieces and, and like very tightly designed levels, not a big green blob. I hate the fucking trend towards open world games. And it's even worse when they take an existing game and make it like that in an, in an uncompelling way like at least at breath of the wild it was like we have ideas about what to do with an open world everyone else yeah. is like you know that open world everyone's doing we're gonna make the same one <laughs> horizon zero dawn what a fresh what a fresh world you fight robot dinosaurs it's the same open world as every open world game it's, it's just the same has the same map same loops same like st- like distribution of side quests same like progress tracker same lore pickup collectibles like it's all the same yeah. fucking systems same really shallow crafting system that doesn't have any reason to be there same skill tree that always is there but it's always like the most uninspired type of skill tree that AAA games have that doesn't require any thinking and by the end of the game you're only like marginally different from how you started really it's like it's so even rpgs do that it's so perfunctory my my favorite part about halo infinite is that no part of the world is different all of it looks the same so there's no (laughs) like it's it's a halo yeah halos don't have like the lava world (laughs) no because halo halo one had a fucking right, Halo swamp. One had snow. So and it right. had snow. Yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm, I'm I'm full of shit. Halo one had a swamp. It had a where, snow area. It had a beach. Fuck are they? The beach where island. The fuck are the goddamn the environments? Yeah. <laughs> they I had the gall to promise, the like here's an open world Halo, but there's no biomes to navigate between. It's, it is. It cracks me up that Minecraft is a more in-depth world than fucking Halo is. How yeah. did you like, do that? Realistically, a, a Halo probably would be one biome because. Oh yeah, like, it's. Why would different? Why would there be a snowy part? Like what? It's a perfect ring. Uh, but yeah, like the original game had a swamp and it had uh, it had the island level and it had the uh, the snow levels and so on and so they were because all visual, they were visibly distinct from each other. The, because uh, it's interesting. It was at the, the pillar of autumn crashed yeah. on like this rocky cliff that was unlike the that was completely unlike the uh the grassy yeah, like forest cliff area that you started the game in yeah yeah no, yeah, no that's, it's, uh, it's yeah it's really bad it's really bad if the entire <laughs> game is just like a series it's just one big grassy expanse full of yep. fake basalt columns 
it's no now canonically oh every now canonically every single halo's full it was is made every single halo is made of these like iron basalt columns <laughs> beneath the, the surface <laughs> they're called oh my god it's great it's great because there's like <laughs> there's like a point there's a there's a point where you start realizing that there's like almost more you see like you see more basalt columns than you do green in some areas where you're like, wow, this is this is my favorite biome, basalt columns. Like, what is, what is this? It's just gray. It's a gray, perfectly symmetrical objects just around me all the time. Awesome. But unlike Breath of the Wild, they the hookshot doesn't really have any kind of stamina requirement. So you can just look at a basalt column and go, oh, cool, a perfect uh, like a perfect flat area that you can climb up. Huh? Huh? Huh. All right, I got to the top of a mountain and you can see the level designer like, oh, why did I build this? <laughs> like, why did I do any of this? And it's like, I don't know, man, that was stupid. And I'm just like spider manning away. I'm just like, oh, I don't care about all of this level you made. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> and you can just fly to the next area you need to get to. And it's like, what? How, how, is, how did this improve the Halo experience? How did this make me go, oh, yes. I don't want to warthog away like a plebeian. I want to just ignore the entire world and go directly to where I want to go every single time. Easy. I could just steal a banshee and fly to the other side of the map. No problem. I don't even need to care about interacting with those ground people. I could just fly away. <laughs> it's like it's ground people. <laughs> and it's weird. Like it's it's very weird to feel like you can just fly away from Halo. You can just say, like, no more. I don't want that anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else. And you can just go somewhere else. And Halo just goes like, all right, bye. See you later. And, like, I, you can also just do, it gives you access to do really dumb stuff with Halo. Like, you can just show up with, two, with the stuff that you definitely shouldn't have in that area, like a tank or, a, like, a, 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 what is it, a goshog. Um, you can just show up in those areas. And the areas are like, I don't think you're supposed to have that here. And you're like, yeah, probably not. But are you going to stop me? And it's like, no, there's no invisible walls. Like, oh, okay, man. well, the, the unique agony of playing a co uh, co-op filled franchise's story and getting into a warthog and then not having a friend that can get in the warthog with you because it's single player only still. Dude, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. God, that would hurt. One of the I don't most know, I don't I don't even know the last time I played any Halo single player at all. One of the most irritating things about Halo single or Halo Infinite single player is they didn't get the AI right. So I sat and honked my horn for a whole two minutes and no one would get in my warthog. They just kept walking around it. And they're like, save a spot for me, chief. I'm like, get the fuck in the hog. I'm trying to go. I want to <laughs> go do the game. Get in it. And so like Finally, I started driving away and someone starts running. No, no, wait. They start running after me. I stop and they hop in. Oh, okay, I need to leave you behind and then they give you a sense of urgency. Otherwise, you won't do it. And one of the They're things like that people, one of the thing I think people forget about uh, is that Halo and not Halo 1, but um, maybe Halo 1. I don't think Halo 1, but I maybe I think two or three. I think it's three specifically. You, they'll drive the Warthog for you. You can get in the back. And a Marine will just hop yep. in the Warthog and drive it away. Not an infinite. 
they look at you like you're a fucking weirdo. They're like, what is it? Because it used to be a linear game. Yeah. So they and knew so because, they had an idea where they, where but, they should go. But you can set waypoints. So just have the AI follow your waypoint. Like, what? How yeah. is this hard? Because you want to be in the gunner seat because you're Mr. Gunman. Yeah, because guess what? The AI can't shoot for shit. And so I try, <laughs> there's, there's a segment at the end, like near the end, they want to do a warthog level, you know, like the, the traditional halo warthog moment where you're driving the warthog and they even play the music that they play when it's warthog music time, you know, like that, that end credit, that end music final level thing. And I was going down and I realized that one, my AI can't shoot anybody. And two, this is not a warthog level because it stops you half, like it stops you halfway through the warthog level and says, uh, you need to get out and 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 invade this uh this building. Okay, I guess I'll I guess I'll do that. I'll just get right out of the warthog in the warthog level and invade this building. And then it does like a little and like does a little cutscene of you uh flying into a thing. And so that's the moment of you doing the cool, you know, get away from the exploding area. And it's like, why? Why why didn't why why did any of this have to happen this way? Uh it's it's nightmarish. It's it's truly it's truly baffling that someone could could take something. It could someone could play five different Halo games and go, you know what this game needs? None of this. And just do that. Just like throw it all in the trash and go, I'm gonna make a brand new Halo game. And it's gonna be so much better because I'm gonna copy paste it directly from this other game that isn't Halo, <laughs> and that's a game that people love. And that game, you know, what we mean the industry needs more of is Ubisoft. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it really, it, yeah, it really is the case that there are no more shooters. Basically, shooters it's used funny. to mean something, yeah. and these days, shooting is just the means to get to the loot if it's a, a, a loot-based game. Or to get to the un clear out all the outposts kind of game, which I think yeah. I, I even would have been a little bit more receptive to the idea that you find unlockables in the game in Halo Infinite if you could use those unlockables in the game, which you cannot. What? So they are useless unlockables. They are just multiplayer cosmetics that you unlock in the game. Oh no! Um, so <laughs> you just like find a chest and you're like, "What's this for?" And it's like you got a you got a helmet. Oh, multiplayer. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a really well, bad reward system for multiple reasons. Don't worry, Keith. There's the, uh... a second reward system in there for you. Every time that you save people or you uh you free a compound or whatever it's called. They give you valor points, which you can use at any of the fob stations you rec you re reclaim. It's like the bases that you save from in Far Cry. Any of the bases that you re uh, that you reclaim, you can just order whatever you want, like a warthog or a ghost or a or a like sniper rifle, and you can just get that instantly right there without having to go find it in the environment. Like I just can summon a plane whenever I want and just fly whenever Isn't that I broken? whenever I want. That's broken. Great. Yeah. No, no, I, I, no, I can just you, summon. That, a, I can both summon the a things you rifle. said just now were really bad. Because yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, a core element of designing a shooter campaign is the placement of what weapons and vehicles exist within the level as you play through it, which creates a pacing to it, and also like they can they're essentially 
to some extent controlling what kind of weapons you can have during certain sections which 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 uh coordinates the gameplay but yeah. also the reward system you talked about with the online stuff feeds into my complaint about zelda hd remakes and specifically like especially the uh twilight princess stamp system where uh it only worked for a few months and then they took the meavers down like it was less than a year before they took the meavers down those stamps did absolutely fucking nothing but like it, it fucks with the reward system where one of the core rewards in zelda is to be trying to go around and try to find like you find rupees or you find heart containers or you find bottles and like those are the and the big ones are the bottles and heart containers because those are like there's only so many of those in the game like you always want that health bar to get bigger and more bottles let you do more and there's also yeah. way fewer bottles than any other resource in the game and it's a permanent upgrade so finding a cool chest that you have to, that you got via exploration and puzzle solving is such a big deal and when you open it up and it has a fucking zelda stamp in it it's like oh it's zelda smiling it's like this doesn't even do anything in the game and also no longer does anything outside of the game but like get do, putting the work into explore and then just getting some random trash for multiplayer is already bad but it, it's even worse when you replay the game because when you're replaying the game now m like huge chunks of the world are just completely pointless because they don't mm -hmm. give you anything for that playthrough just yeah. like when you replay a zelda game that doesn't have the that isn't one of the shitty remakes that made them worse in that in that specific way uh like you still want the bottle next playthrough <laughs> like but that 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 you when you if there's a fucking box that gives you a helmet for multiplayer only well then not only was it not helpful for the playthrough in the first place but now you already have it so now it's not like it's not worth getting it's not a bottle yeah and so that's a that's a that is a there's there's a multitude of problems that make it not a very good halo game which is funny because every article is about how it's the best Halo game. And I'm confused as to what Halo it's, games people played before, I, because I don't think they actually played Halo. They must have played a bootleg Halo, because otherwise you they're lying. It's, you can't pay attention. Like, you say every article is about how good it is, but I'm sure there's articles that say so, that it's So let not me good. ask you, what would be the worst things you could add to a Halo game? What, what, like off the top mm. of your head, what are like? I mean, the battle three... pass, but here so, we are. So, well, so I'm talking about single player. In the single player, think of the three worst pass. things. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's true. So think fast of the like... Okay. Anything should, else? No Halo should need fast travel. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. a pretty bad starting point already. Uh, anything else? Uh, no ammo limitations. Okay. Oh God. That's really bad. Um, a loadout would be pretty fucking bad. Okay. A loadout. Loadouts would be I bad. If you already said something pretty horrifying, which is having a th a store that summons whatever equipment you need. It's like yeah. no. Yeah. yeah. You're supposed to have levels that do things. Well, well Keith, that's it. you gotta you gotta unlock them daily using valor quests. points. Okay. Which they right. which they added in Reach actually, which that which sucked then too. Yeah. Go play this so, mission for stupid arbitrary milestone reasons. Fuck you. So Halo has has fast travel. Um. Or sorry, Halo Infinite does have fast travel. You can fast travel to any of the FOB locations. Uh, it does have its little Valor store where if you unlock and uh, basically you get like a, it is like a battle pass where you when you do things you you get more Valor points and those Valor points get you uh, unlock things that you can uh, request at the FOB locations. So once you get you know later in the game you can get like a sniper rifle that has ten rounds of magazine or you can get a a rocket launcher that homes on to people, whatever. 
Um, and it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. You just show up to a fob, ask for it. It gives it to you. You're done. Um, uh, there is semi-infinite ammo. Uh, most places you go to usually have an ammo refill container. So you can show up and say, like, I've got this kind of ammo. And it goes like, oh, yeah, here's a little station here. You just go and touch it. It will completely refill your, uh, your magazine. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it has, uh, it has upgrade mechanics. So there's a, there's a, uh, like a, not a, not a level system. You go and you find items, uh, in the world and you use those items to upgrade, uh, powers. So it has like a power upgrade system. Spartan um, cores I've heard, which implies yes, that they cores. sent him on the mission under equipped for some reason when he's literally the most equipped and capable person in the entire military that's the premise it's very funny it's very but funny when collect you get spartan them. cores that are for some reason on the plant the halo he hasn't been to yeah 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 don't what, don't worry about others, that that's, for the uh, other spartans that are famously all over the place like what so there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of factors going in here uh it kind it makes sense within the world that it's set up but it doesn't make sense does so it? it does make sense in the world that it's set up um and in why those spartan cores exist it's because they fell off a ship that blew up so they just crash landed <laughs> onto earth or onto the ring but um as for the spartan abilities those are funny because uh those uh don't make sense how you're getting them but also it's funnier when you realize that the way that you're getting them uh mean that mean that other people went in with different abilities and all of them together which is what you do which is grabbing all of them putting them into your own one great piece of armor apparently wasn't an, a consideration by the military at the time was not to just create a super soldier was to create everyone like, had to have their happen. one power yeah everyone had to have one power and hope you guys don't get broken up because otherwise you're stuck with a power that's useless like the one that just creates a radar around you Really useful, by the way, that I've used uh, three times the entire game. <laughs> really useful. <laughs> or the ability to dash. That was that was really useful to be able to just dash. Why is there a... Um, yeah, I, I, I've been confused by that in multiplayer, too. But at least in multiplayer, <laughs> you can only have one power, which is... I don't like the power system in multiplayer. But, yeah. uh, but at least then you're like, well, it's the one I got, so I guess I'll use it. But like, yeah, in, in Halo campaign why would you ever dash when you have a grappling hook it's so it's really fucking shitty trying to so grenades there are four grenades in the game and there are four abilities in the game so imagine trying to switch between all these different abilities and power-ups and then your guns while in the middle of trying to do combat so like i'm gonna do a hook shot but i'm also gonna need access to uh to the ability to sense where invisible enemies are because there's some invisible enemies uh, so I'm going to need to like hook shot up in the air, shoot down the invisible enemy thing, switch back to like a hook shot because it's the most overpowered uh, ability in the game. Um, but I also need to like have this type of grenade on. So I throw that and like, oh, no, it's a regular enemy. Switch back to regular grenades, throw those. And it's like there's so many fucking things going on that you feel like you're you have like you're an octopus in a Spartan suit. You're like, oh, I'm just like picking six different things at one time and doing all things at different. Whereas like. It feels more natural when you uh I don't I don't know it feels more natural when you have these constraints of like there are two grenade types non-sticky sticky there are well Halo 1 didn't have abilities but like when abilities show up there's like here is an ability you can find it it's in the world somewhere and when you use it it's gone 
like okay that makes sense it's like a consumable perfect i don't want to throw my bubble shield down to stop a grunt from shooting me i want to wait until i fight a fucking i don't know like a what the hunters sure um yeah, armor There's... abilities were a complement to the campaign structure because they yes. get placed it at a specific point in the linear level you're playing through, and then it became another thing like a rocket launcher where you're like, when do I use it? Because then it's gone, but it, but it's powerful. So is this the time? Like it, it creates that question in exactly. an open world where you just collect a bunch of things. They several of them just become redundant and unhelpful because of how good the other ones are. But there's just like twelve other problems. Yep, and so having them all the time is really dumb, and it's even dumber. Because like the Spartan cores, when you get them, the only limitation here is by how uh, is by just how many you have. So like its cutoff point is like you can you can get to the max level of your hookshot without ever doing a single campaign uh, level. But you have to go and find all the cores first, which is really dumb because max level hookshot basically is like ridiculous. You can do a lot of really amazing dumb tech with it. And having that kind of access means you can just negate a lot of problems in the game really fast, which is like basically what I did was I beeline to upgrade it because like, oh, you can just ignore a huge chunk of this game if you just have a really good hookshot. And I'll just do that because the game doesn't limit me. It's not like it's like, oh, you need to complete three campaigns before you can unlock this, mister. It's just like, no, do you have enough? All right, here you go. Like, what? All right. That's weird. Um. It's just, I, I don't know, like, yeah, the, the, the fact that you go and unlock those shards, the fact that, like, you, uh, you do have to go capture bases, and when you capture bases, then things appear. So, like, things don't even exist in the world until you capture the base, and then there's content in the world, which is really weird. Like, finding a location going like, oh, this is pretty neat. I assume someone's supposed to be here, but there's just nothing here. So right if you now. start exploring at the beginning, you just have an emptier world full yes. of collectibles. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. There's just nothing uh, until you go get another fob station. Once you reclaim another fob, then it shows you all the fun things you can do around that area. But until you do that, it's just empty, vacant land. So like, fuck you. What are you doing? Go back and do the fob, just, you dumbo. I just want levels. <laughs> and the fobs aren't levels. Hey. They're just bases. They're these very exact the same every single time levels where you show up and you're like wow there's like two or three uh, uh, brutes and there's like six grunts and maybe a sangheili if you're feeling spicy and grenade 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 shoot in the head and i'm done all right took it over Woo! like it's not difficult you just kind of walk in and i think i think in regards to that not being difficult is mostly because with the level design is atrocious and it's designed for open world because yeah, the, yeah. The, the same systems could work reasonably better if the levels were better designed. It feels and it's it's funny too cuz like all of the best levels or all the all the fun stuff in Halo Infinite is underground. Like you every time you do main campaign stuff, it's underground. <laughs> so like you just go away, you just leave the the overworld that they made and uh go do all the fun stuff below um below the below the ring and you're like that should have been your indication here because see when you like do stuff in in breath of the wild the fun stuff's on the land it's it's like in the world you know like there's dungeons and those dungeons are in the world but halo infinite levels are don't feel like they're in the world because you just leave it you go underground and it's gone forever and 
like there's not a I don't know it's it's really yeah. weird like it's just it's really weird to explain how barren Halo Infinite feels and how unnecessary it feels to even explore it like Breath of the Wild doesn't give you the opportunity to negate the whole world you I mean you can if you do like the weird movement tech thing that's breaking the game literally but um but if you're not doing that you can it's very unlikely you're going to just be able to like goodbye and just fly fly across all of Hyrule directly to to like dungeon dungeon to dungeon and not deal with anything in between but infinite you can just do that you can just like i just hookshotted if it wasn't for the fact that i wanted 100% complete you could just hookshot all the way just hookshot speed run all the way to the next location do the thing hookshot to the next location like you don't need to waste your time hanging around and exploring the world it's not important it doesn't benefit you if you want to get a weapon or something there's like always like 16 weapon racks near every single campaign area so just go pick the thing you want it's right there and you can just reload your ammo because there's ammo reload stations in every single place it's, a thing where so, it's like the ammoler problem where the uh the world just kind of becomes a just this padded space between you and your objective so you just can skip it if you want to exactly I spent like half of my entire Kings of Amalur playthrough just sprinting past all the enemies because I'm like, I don't want to sit here and fight for half an hour before the next story beat. I'm just going to go there. You don't matter. Bye. That's, yeah, that's pretty much how it felt for Halo Infinite. The, the, Make real oh. dungeons. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But... Because, yeah, it's like in those games, I don't want to sit there and fight dudes that have nothing to do with the story. It's like, hey, meet me in this cave. I'm like, all right, I'm going to meet that guy in the cave. Oh, the cave's full of uh, insert enemy X that has nothing to do with the quest text at all and will not be mentioned. I don't. Why would I want to sit here and fight all of them in all these hallways? Just run through the hallway real quick and then get to the story beat that I'm here for. Yeah. I don't know who uh, that stuff's for. Spartan Cores were a similar setup. So Spartan Cores will just be like in a place and but there's no requirement to get them like there's no they're not locked or anything uh so you can just you can just hookshot to it real quick open it up in the hookshot out and just leave the whole area and not even interact with it and granted you know one could argue like well then you're actively avoiding the fun and it's like yeah but there's no compelling reason to sit here and fight the same enemies again and it's like what well, makes them because it used to be that every single room was its own unique encounter that's like what a campaign is yeah exactly so the idea that it's like well no guys i've done this i've played far cry you don't need to interact with every dumb re like reloadable npc you just have to get the thing you gotta go and get the hell out and then just move on and the faster you do that the faster you can do the fun stuff like fighting an elephant like no one wants to sit here and fight a grunt for 300 times it's not really that interesting unless you're in a situation where you're like fuck i've got two shots on this really garbage gun and one of them's got to go to a grunt what am I going to do about the other enemies? Like, yeah. like those are the, fun the, en the enemies, the enemies were the, the enemies were the, uh, the obstacle to your progress originally. Yeah. Now, now yeah. you just fight them. Cause you, f if you feel like it, which yeah, that you seems have to go... like a bad choice. And there's a lot of fun bugs, uh, Halo infinite. I don't know how, what the, when you're watching this, if it's ever been fixed, I doubt it will be, but there are a lot of fun <laughs> bugs in infinite um i had i had a guy living in a, a nightmare perpetual state of looping so uh what happened was i brought a, a ban i brought a banshee to a fight jumped out of the banshee and started fighting everybody and one of the enemies took the banshee but because the banshee wasn't supposed to be there uh and the guy that took the banshee is is 
legally not allowed to leave the zone because I can't finish the zone without him dying. He got stuck in a loop where every time he tried to escape with the Banshee, it would teleport him back to the beginning or back into the the area that he's supposed to be stuck into. And then he would try flying away again. And so I couldn't get him out because he would keep like flying. Basically, he was flying too high for me to get him with the hookshot. But he I, I had to kill him in order to complete the zone so I can move on, um, which was fun. It was a really fun bug. Um, and there's there are some where like i've seen uh i've seen allies throw grenades on each other just they just turn look at them and throw grenades and you're like are you guys are you guys okay is there like a fight in the platoon do i need to break it up mommy and daddy is not uh like what's going on here um there's it's really fun to watch how uh enemies interact with you going up and down cliffs like if you just jump off a cliff they're like uh okay and then you can just fly back up and they're like oh <laughs> like it's just they they don't know like the ai doesn't know how to deal with such weird jarring um changes in player height uh it's there's like there's so much halo infinite sh- was definitely not meant to be open world is what it feels like it feels like a game that was not supposed to be open world but somebody came drunkenly barreling into the office one day and was like, I'm going to tell you a game that people have never heard of, and it's called Far Cry. And you're like, uh-oh, this guy's probably trouble. We should not listen to him. And then someone looked at his name tag and it said like, I don't know, it was three letters. And someone was like, shit, we can't say no to this guy. And that's what they did. And they let that guy nosedive it into hell. It was, it's and weird. It's, it's a like, shame. And, it's and a, to thunderous applause because we're the weirdos that think it's bad. I guess so. I, sh- I guess so. It's I don't know. That's why I'm confused. Like I don't know who this game's for. Like people say it's like I've seen people like on Twitter was like, look at this beautiful landscape. Like bruh, it's the same 15 trees copy pasted over. Like there's clearly a paintbrush that well, they're we using. We have to endlessly recalibrate our expectations to remember that God of War was voted game of the best game of all time. Which, like, I thought the game was neat. It was fine. But, like... It was half done as well. This, it, this, it's just such a brand, though, of, like, open world, like, flat experience of just... It's not going to be that challenging most of the time. God like, of War is an open world. Uh, the, yeah, the God of War reboot. Uh, oh, sorry. It, I was thinking Gears yeah, of War. It's I'm open sorry. world in, like, parentheses. Yeah. It's not really... Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Well, yeah, it's it's world, the specific yeah. kind of guided open world that they keep trying to go for. It's like, look, at yeah. me, you're navigating this big environment and opening it's it up a, and so on. You mentioned and, and, and Far Cry. It did some of the stuff all right, but there's just a specific brand. Like, it's a specific formula of, like, the entire critical path will be largely unchallenging and mostly monotonous as you just grind your way through a series of, com- of uh, scenarios where you, like just kind of sit through conversations as the story is told at you. And like, there's like such a specific formula to the point where like massively disparate games like God of War and the last of us can be bizarrely similar because of how much they're distilling this really specific formula that supposedly is what people like. And like, they might be right disappointingly, but it's like, it's like, it's such a homogenization. That's just kind of getting disappointing partly because it almost never, like really interesting stuff's happening and with like pathologic and stuff like that with like telling a story through me- mechanics and so on and so seeing 
seeing games only take less risks and not really go anywhere is just kind of a bummer and having that and then having the feedback be and that's exactly what gamers want not just as like that's a serviceable game that was fine but like it's literally the best game to ever happen is like oh man yep that's where we are huh maybe halo like because like when i hear all these massive mistakes in the design of halo infinite from my perspective at least of what what it sure sounds like my takeaway is like man what another what another mismanaged project but if it's massively successful and everyone loves it then that means it was perfectly managed and yeah i just get to be really disappointed in what gamers want and so on and that's fine. I'm fine. Like, I am completely content with the idea that this is gaming now, is that every game is just this faux open world experience where they just kind of like politely, condescendingly give you something to do every couple of minutes. And you have like this childish ADD brain where you can't like have a fun experience anymore. You have to like new shiny thing every 30 seconds. But the idea that it's the idea that it's the best it's the best of all time is like i you know there's there there are like what you find good is very is very like up to is person by person but what is good like what is good is not up for debate like far cry is not a good game you can think it's good you can find it to be good but it is not on its own, like on its own as a piece the of, original as, one as a is, piece though. of media as a video that's, game that's the, well, the original yeah. two even far, far cry 4 far cry 5 neither of those are cry good five games. is miserable far cry 5 is <laughs> a dredge to get through and like there are people who love it i know there are people who love it because they made a fucking yeah. six but like i won't try to claim like the objective quality argument or anything but definitely with like far cry 5 there, there was such a bizarre misunderstanding of the concept of pacing and intensity because yeah like i played that i played through that game in multiplayer and i beat all the missions and all that and like it was astonishing how it just didn't matter if you were doing an important mission or not just every minute of the game it'll just spawn either an either wildlife or random enemies or both to just attack you and yeah. that just keeps happening like just right out of or just just out of your sight as if it's elizabeth from bioshock infinite enemies will just continually spawn and attack you as if you have a wanted level in gta and it just never went away the entire playthrough and that is just exhausting it is <laughs> like that's the same thing is with, a fundamental misunderstanding of how you pace a game like we it's like our open world can't be boring if we literally always attack the player every second it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's not how any of those words work, sir. How did how did we get there? That's, in, yeah. On a more cynical perspective, uh, there's a certain level of of uh, monotony to that sort of uh, to that that sort of um, game design that allows for a monetizable game design, like uh, you know anything based on on a. Uh, uh, a shop where you you buy custom skins and whatnot um it's it's the concept of it, it it's basically why diablo 2 works so well as a it's a mostly monotonous game where you click things but you get the delight and surprise of uh, every once in a while you get a new item and obviously there's strategy involved in finding the best builds and having the there was a item. deep cynicism in how one of the ways they made diablo 3 more popular when it wasn't being well received is they just made legendaries more common yeah 
you get like yeah, I, I remember yeah. playing it with Absolutely. andrew and and other people like in local multiplayer and i will always i'll die on the hill that playing it on playing it on a shared screen on a console is so much more fun than playing it online multiplayer because it has <laughs> that that gauntlet feel it's so nice but yeah like that fucking golden beam of a legendary happening it happens like every 15 minutes it's just like another yeah. legendary all the time it's like that's not what words mean sir you can't just that's that's them just hitting the 11 button over and over again just and like the, fucking feel it feel it feel it it's like i'm not gonna feel it the 10th time jesus i i have a very specific opinion or not opinion but like i i've I'm sort of immune to that sort of thing, and I don't know why, but I, I know for a fact that I am. Because I played, the vast majority of my Diablo through three hours were while the real money auction house was still up, and while they didn't have that patch that made, uh, the first patch anyway, that made uh, legendaries more common. So my impression of, I did play after, but my the vast majority of my time was before that, and Diablo 3 did not become a better game. Uh, I think it, in fact, in some ways became worse uh, with the yeah. changes that they made. Well, because uh, they're literally just manipulating the reward system to be like, hit hit the reward button more often. But That'll it, trick people into liking the game, the game more. Though. The reward doesn't change the game. You're just having No, it. but it no, distracts it you. It distracts you from it the distracts you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that, that is the core appeal to an extent, is it's a loot grinder. So there's like, <gasps> loot? This is why uh, like, like Destiny I, is. I realized fun. that I'd grown out of the of Diablo real hard when Diablo three came out, and I beat it once on normal, and then never touched it again. Yep, um, I played a lot of Diablo three, and I, it's there's a lot to there's a lot of fun in Diablo three. Um, I really like, I really like the abilities. I really like some of the extra, the non campaign related stuff. Like, I really like the Nephilim Trials, which is not about loot at all. It's just about murdering as many people as you can in time limits mm -hmm. and constraints, which means you have to build, like, the best build, and you need the best gear, and You don't need fun. the best gear, though, because the difficulty the difficulty is, is customizable. Well, it yeah. is, but that, if you're trying to get to fun. the highest tiers of the Nephilim well, yeah, realm, for you sure. have t smaller time limits and bigger health bars, but which means you're, like... Meaningfully that doesn't meaningfully affect Diablo your three gameplay. Terrifyingly realized that they could just make the game forever by just making yeah. the numbers scale forever, which yeah. means yeah. you'll hypothetically play forever. Well, but like, it I, I, really I mean, I felt like weirdly gross when I launched. I I, so I saw a random friend streaming it on Facebook, and they were just hitting things for like literally millions of damage, and I'm like, why are you still playing? What, what are you getting out of this? You are just looping the same content forever, and the numbers get a bit bigger forever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? Why are you still playing this? Blizzard is really good. I about genuinely that. don't know. It isn't uh, they, though. They're not good about that. Yeah, they I are. They, they did are. it with they WoW. They did it with fucking if, Diablo. Based on they, the results, like, they are. Diablo really Two is a better game that. in that regard than Diablo Three. If they had made Diablo, Diablo 2, 2 is a better game than Diablo 3, but Diablo 3 is a more successful game at this no, point no. than Diablo 2. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I so understand in that. Way, what I'm saying they, is... Like, cause the argue, like, the thing is that the part that makes you keep playing when the numbers are stupid, mm -hmm. that's not about game quality. That's about how effective no, no. the manipulation is. And, in, yeah, and so it's, it's incorrect is... to say they're not good at it. They're but, no, apparently no, saying... fucking incredible at it. What I'm saying is it. Diablo 2 does it better. That aspect is well because it would make more money then. Yeah. Well, they don't. Also, sell. It, it was a success. It was a successful game, but Diablo three is like disgustingly successful. But that's because of the apparatus which around mean, it, which not means they the did game better itself. this time at, at hooking people forever. It's the apparatus. It isn't the game itself that does it. 
Well, no, I, because I, Diablo, I love, what because is Diablo two mean to you? Yeah, the Diablo the marketing two remake and the, the sorry, the remake of Diablo no, no, what two I'm saying didn't is, do it. it. The remake, yeah, okay. What I'm saying is that the mechanics that Diablo two has are better at keeping the players hooked for the numbers. You know, just playing the same things over and over again than the mechanics that Diablo three has. And my and the reason why I think that is because largely the mechanics of Diablo three are transparent. They're they're very blatantly all just about seeing the numbers rise. So it's very easy to see through. But also they're not as deep and they like they allow. It's just so fast to get a character up to speed. Like if you want to make a character, just a few hours of gameplay, you have a max level character. Uh, just spinning out, doing the same exact moves and all the things that a super high-level character gets to do, and that's that didn't used to be the case when Diablo three came out, and it certainly is not the case in Diablo two. So what I'm saying is, the, the the hooking the players is a lot more efficient and 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 it works better, I think, in Diablo two than it does in Diablo three. So what I'm saying is, if they wanted that kind of game, and they clearly do, all the, all they had to do really is just reuse the same. Mecha mechanisms of Diablo 2. Obviously, they need well, now to. Now Diablo come up with 2 is out again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they, they, they. I think they I've would heard have it's been a train wreck in its own right. Yeah, yeah. but but they, they would have to come up with a new story. And it's not just Diablo 2 again. It's just, you know, it's Diablo 3, but the same as Diablo 2. It, it is what I'm saying. Like, well, it, I'm not saying that I would have wanted that, although I, I would have wanted that. I mean, they wouldn't have wanted that because the game they, they made would. was disgustingly successful. <laughs> But I think it w they would have been more successful if they had, if they had just stuck to. Wasn't their it guns. at one point the top-selling like PC game of all time? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what for fucking sure. like Icarus level are you going for, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 looking at it objectively. I'm 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 looking at it. It's my opinion that the mechanisms that Diablo three has are not as good as what at what they do. Uh, they're not as good as I realized as the one at some Diablo point I was just fundamentally not playing the game for the same reasons. Because like even when yeah, I look back at my true. Diablo two time, I was literally just like, like I would I would I'd only hit like level like seventy five over and over again. Yeah, I would what I just did as well. do I would just rush through bail runs or whatever because I just wanted to try another spec again and again and I just yeah. kept making more and more alts to be like, can I make this work? And that was just the entire what end goal. Then it's like, yeah. get, in, get into the fucking economy of what runes are worth and SOJs. And I'm like, I fucking hate this. I just want to try. I just want to keep tr starting the skill tree over again and see if it works. But now, now Diablo 3 just allows you to respect. Like, it takes away all of that incentive away from you, Keith, personally. Diablo 3 came in and it just allows you to respect your character. And that's it. And when it that's came fine. out, it even I don't had think I would a... Ever do, I don't think I would ever do that again. Yeah, for sure. But like, it's like it's uh, it's such a it's such a weird waste of time that you do when you don't have enough video games, and now there's infinite video though. games. That's but I think fun. that's the thing too, though. Is I feel like a lot at like Halo Infinite or God of War, they pan themselves as being something you're gonna commit the next like two months of your life to, and the hope is that you buy these games and you can get that level. Yeah, of value. lifestyle games. Yeah, they're lifestyle games, and lifestyle games are fine on a scale on like a small scale when you say like okay there's like a couple of these things but like every triple a company is making a lifestyle game and at some point my question <laughs> yeah. is how many lives do i have because not that many and i'm not going to spend my entire life playing halo infinite waiting for my lifetime thing. game to become like <laughs> like filled out like call of god of war like i i 
basically did 99% completion of God of War. Because the only thing I didn't do was you have to go back to one of those shitty fucking worlds and do some kind of like uh, Binding of Isaac run to get this legendary the armor. The place that, was so yeah, bad. I was like, what the fuck am I even here for? After like failing it twice, it. I was like, I'm done with this, dude. I already beat the hardest level Valkyrie. I don't need to be here. What the fuck is the point of this? And I just left and that's it. I never 100% completed it. I didn't do my lifetime duty of to God of War, but I did everything <laughs> and that's else. that's the right call. And, and like, Honestly, but like, why? Like every time but you play a Yakuza game, if you make it to the super secret ultra, ultimate final boss that you get only when you've completed all of the content, so you've, you've failed. Like, because that means <laughs> something al along the way at some point you played something you hated to do that part. And that's that was a mistake. I've, I've, <laughs> I've beaten that. I've beaten that. I've beaten Amon twice, uh, once in, in uh, Judgment, I think, and once in Kiwami 2. And both times it was <laughs> I had to get through at least one or two arcs of stuff that was like not worth playing in order to finish wait, the completionism. Wait, and it's not worth it. You've 100 percented uh, Yakuza game? Yeah, twice. Wow, Jesus I didn't know that. Christ. Yeah, yeah, Kiwami 2 and Judgment. I completed both of them and I beat their respective Amons. It's not worth it. Do not do not unlock Amon. Uh in Judgment's case, it's because Judgment has a really made a really bad choice that I hated, which is that it had a stupid fame system where you had to grind up your reputation or whatever, and all of the good quests, including the like final ones too, like all of the good side quests were locked behind milestones of making of getting through the system, which meant you had to be like basically completing the game's other bullshit just to do the the good part of Yakuza, which is completing the uh, side quests. Because those are all fun little scenarios to play through and you want to see what's going to happen in the next one. And like that's the appeal of the side content and everything else should be purely optional for people to decide, yeah, I want to do a cabaret for 12 hours. You don't, but some people will, want to, will think they want to. <laughs> and uh, having all of that stuff rolled into like do all of these systems in order to re unlock the story missions is like, no, 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 no. Do not hide the good stuff behind the bad stuff. Just leave, just leave it there for people that really do want to play 12 hours of Mahjong, but don't, but I can just ignore Mahjong if i want to that's the that's the correct way to do your open world you don't you judgment can't ignore mahjong was a, keith judgment you was a big misstep in that way you can't ignore mahjong because you don't know how to play it i was so tired of that game by the time i finished it <laughs> yeah, that's not is... what yakuza is supposed to be like uh, but anyway I mean, we gotta it, wrap up we like we're we super over time got a good halo rant in clap clap <laughs> clap yay Join us See next time for when we next complain time. about uh, some other game. Yeah, we've never. Once I had I had an, e an email open, but then I never got. I never ever read it. Oh no, he <laughs> doesn't read. Don't forget. That, one that day. the momentum it, it just goes. It just <laughs> <laughs> this podcast just goes, and you're like, oh fuck, <laughs> I can't hold on, and then it's over. See you guys next week. Bye bye. Goodbye.